gentlemen my name is chewy i'm joined once again by my brother from another mother mr pip and this is the 411 from 406 how are you this evening sir i'm uh, i'm doing wonderful how are you i'm good i'm good it it uh, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks in in my household and uh but we're on we're on the upswing which is good and i'm looking forward to this evening's conversation well i'm 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 i I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or if I'm scared of it, but no, I, I am looking forward to it in a, in a kind of morbid sort of way. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be really interesting because I feel that this is going to be a different uh, tone to this podcast, much like this movie was a, a different tone to its predecessor, right? So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about this, you know, behind the scenes before this. And so I think we're probably going to be in alignment for a lot of this, but it will be interesting to see if we so what what year did this come out? Like I'm I'm forgetting. We didn't I didn't do as much research on this one. So this would have had to have been uh twenty seventeen, right? So this is yeah, so yeah, so, four so years for those later. Are, yeah. So for for those of you that are not familiar with what the hell we're talking about, um, the last episode. Pip and I went into, and we did a deep dive. We started a deep dive in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, so we started last episode with The Force Awakens. And so then tonight we are coming back and we're doing the next episode, which is Star Wars The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, yes, you're right, did come out in 2017. It is the, the second of the sequel trilogy. And uh, I think it's probably safe to say that it is universally thought of as the weakest of the three of the sequel trilogy maybe maybe i don't know i think so yeah i mean i don't know i think i think the third movie is going to give it a run for its money i think it depends on who the fan is and and what the circumstance is right because the third movie this hmm, how do i say this the third movie i think is going to end up being the most polarizing where you're going to have people who really love it and really hate it i think the Force Awakens, for the most part, generally got a lot of really positive praise. I think this one probably universally was the one that was the most controversial by the end of it, uh, due to you know a lot of the things that we're getting ready to talk about. That, that yeah, I think that's fair, and I'm I'm interested too, especially as we as we get into. I'm assuming that we're going to kind of run this one the, the way we did last time where we're going to kind of talk some upfront and then kind of go through a, not a plot summary per se, but really kind of delve into some of the specific scenes and, and not only what we thought then, but what we think now, as we are looking at, at it now through the, you know, the lens of two 40 something year old fathers who grew up with the original Star Wars trilogy. And I think that's, that's really important to point out too, right? Is n- not only not only Star Wars in general, but I think these movies specifically, I think are probably viewed very, very differently based on the fan, something that you touched on earlier, right? Um, and it, you could certainly say that through for all movies, but I think these specifically, 
I think are probably more polarizing to the older Star Wars fans. I know my, my kids, as an example, who are in their teens, don't have either the love or hatred for these movies that most 40-something-year-old folks do, which I just thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think this, uh, this is a generational thing. And the group of people that had the most writing on this movie or these this series of movies are the people our age, right? The ones that definitely grew up with the original trilogy back in the early 80s and maybe a, a couple of years older than, than guys like us. But I definitely think that the um, we are the target audience. I still think, I think we mentioned this last week, that we are the target audience for these specific movies and of course, they're trying to pull in a younger fan base by in- introducing new characters and you know new plot lines. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see if our children take on Star Wars like we did in the same sort of way. You know, given uh, the, that it's not such a cultural phenomenon anymore, that it's not really exceptional to see this kind of special effects on screen and those kind of things. Like that was it was also completely revolutionary when it came out back in the late 70s and continued through the early 80s. And now it's pretty commonplace. You can see it almost everywhere. So I don't think our children are going to have the same reverence for it that we do. Yeah, I, I can <clears throat> I can tell you that unequivocally today that while my kids love the Star Wars universe, if it wasn't for me, these would be just kind of just another movie for them. Sure. Which just which pains me to say, right? And and, and especially the original three they just don't watch those movies the way the way that i do even to this day so which i you know i suppose i suppose makes sense right for on for a variety of reasons so so is there anything um before we move forward with the last jedi uh, is there anything that we want to revisit around our last conversation i know you know i know we we uh i think it's fair to say that we both really enjoyed that film Maybe on some different levels, but I think we both enjoyed it. I, I think I was a little bit more critical about um, some of the acting, specifically Carrie Fisher. I was just not a fan. I just, I just didn't really think she was all that effective at all. In fact, I was reminded of that again in this, in this movie. I think she, from an acting perspective, I think she might have done better in this film um, I still had some pretty serious issues with with the way that character was treated, but I think she probably acted better in this film than she did, which is which is funny because in the last movie, I think what I said was the only stuff that I really believed her was when she was with Kylo or talking about Kylo or interacting as a mother. and And there's some of that here. I don't know. and just any any just kind of off the cuff thoughts you want to cover before we jump in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that as I'm thinking back, I, I don't disagree with your commentary, certainly on Carrie Fisher's role in that first movie. I think it was, I think her performance was definitely a little flat. But I also think that from a writer's perspective, it didn't seem to me like they really gave her anything to do. It almost seemed like her her total point for being there was just to steer Han back on course in effort to try to get him back in front of his son. Uh, she didn't really have a part. She didn't really do anything. Not like she's going to have in this movie, which is, I think, this movie from both an acting and a character perspective is a dramatic improvement from the last movie. I don't know if I would go as far as to say it's exactly where I want it to be or that it's perfect, but I I find myself wanting more of 
Leia in this movie or, or, or being more satisfied with what we're given in this movie than what happened last time. Because I think there was just a lot to distract from, from Leia in The Force Awakens. And in this one, she's a more central figure. She's, she's back where I think she works best, which is as a general, as a war general, as somebody who's uh, a leader for the, uh, for the rebellion or the resistance or whatever we're calling them in, in these movies. And that's where I feel like she really shines. So I, I don't, again, I, I want to say, I think that your point was really well, uh, well taken last time, but I also think she couldn't have done much more with what she was given to do that first go round. I, I, and I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think it, yeah, it was, um, she, she, she didn't have much and she didn't do much. So yeah. And the only other thing that I thought about, because of course I'm a big nerd, just like you are, which is why we're here. And I, I listened to our podcast, like, I don't know, maybe twice, if I'm being honest. And, you know, you made some comments about lightsabers that I thought a lot more about as you, uh, you had said specifically that you, you felt like the physics of the lightsabers weren't really honored in a traditional way. Like in the original trilogy, if somebody came in contact with a lightsaber, it usually meant somebody was losing a limb. And one very important piece that I don't think we touched on really at all for The Force Awakens is the fact that this was the first Star Wars movie that was uh, under the mouse's umbrella, right? So Lucasfilm was purchased by Disney uh, shortly before the announcement was made that they were going to do three more movies. And I think, in my opinion, we see a little bit of that influence here, right? I mean, it's not just a, an unlimited bank account that they have to make money now. I think that they take some of the themes and and mute them maybe a little bit. And I wonder if that maybe didn't have something to do with the fact that we didn't see limbs flying off in the in, in that first movie. And to be honest, I don't think we see any sort of uh, uh, dismemberment throughout this series, unless I'm missing something obvious. But it, it seems like from a violence perspective, it's it's toned down a little bit other than sort of the fantastical space violence that you usually see with ships blowing up and, and things like that. You know what? Um, I, you're right. I, I had not <clears throat> I had not considered the disnification of these movies. I think you're probably right. I think we will touch on some of that too as we get into this movie, and I, there's certainly some things that that um, raised my eyebrows as we got into uh, the rise of Skywalker. I, and, and I guess the the only counter argument to that I would make would be like the opening scene of Force Awakens. I mean, I think we even talked about how it like it felt like a war movie. It felt really, really dark and really, really foreboding, but maybe, but with that exception, and then, and then obviously the death of Han, I, th I think you're right. I think that might be, you're right. That, that might be what we're seeing. And, and I don't know if, if it's because that the lightsaber is a, is a more up close quote blunt object you know it's it's a it's a striking weapon as opposed to a a blaster bolt uh but but you may be right there that there there may be absolutely something to that it could be that or it could just be the fact that they knew they didn't want to kill finn they knew they didn't want to kill kylo so they had a couple near misses with the lightsabers and and scarred them up pretty good but you know they didn't want to do anything drastic that would alter the the storylines to come which which we will find out even as recently as today uh, that J.J. had 
no fucking clue what he was going to do. Uh, or yeah. well, actually, that's not entirely fair because he he had no intention to return to these stories at all. It wasn't right. until the this movie that we're getting ready to talk about got some pretty critical acclaim. And the relationship with Colin Trevorrow, who was the director originally attached to the uh, third movie in the series, fell apart somehow. And at that point, J.J. was brought back into the fold and tried to finish the story that he originally started telling. But I mean, I, I don't know if you read this article. I mean, you sent it to me, but, you know, I got a I got sort of a no shit Sherlock moment today when I'm reading this article about J.J. Abrams and he's talking about how, man, it sure would have been great if we had a plan as we were going through all three of these movies, because originally he just, you know, he uh, he had a writing credit and of course he directed The Force Awakens, but he essentially left it at that, right? He just, he let Ryan Johnson and, and whoever else was set to be involved in the creative process, just take it from there. And they never, uh, they, <laughs> he never left them with any ideas or, or any specific direction. And that's when I think we're, we're going to talk about today, which is the very stark difference in themes that we're going to get. Yeah. And, and, and one, one thing, and I guess I will ask it as a rhetorical and then we can kind of get into this. Cause I have a feeling we could, we could chat, kind of philosophical about star wars all night but mm -hmm. how, how bad of a fuck up do you have to make to go into a multi-billion dollar series of films and not have at least some sort of like hey this is where we're going right um and i don't even necessarily put that on jj i, no. I suppose what, what would it, is it is it kathleen kennedy i don't it's know gotta who's, be. you know I, but I mean, and maybe she just assumed she's like, well, I, I, I'm going to put three good guys at the helm and we're going to get a good product. But like that is a, you know, even even regardless of the critical success or the box office success that these three movies had, you've got to think that if there were more forethought into an overall arc of a story, whether we agreed with that story or not you got to think that the box office would have been even better than they would have been. And, and I, I don't know. It's just, again, more, more rhetorical than anything, but that yeah. that's a, that's a pretty massive fuck up in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think it's a tremendous oversight. And I mean, I don't know if the box office would have been tremendously different in the end. I mean, let's not, let's, I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. The reason these movies each made a billion dollars is not because they were great movies. It was because they were part of a universe that was established right. a long time no, you're ago. Right. You're right. right. So like, that's why these movies did so well. But I, I agree. Like, I think this is a this is a leadership issue with someone like Kathleen Kennedy. And, I, and I'm speculating, of course, I, clearly neither one of us had anything or any knowledge behind the scenes with what was going on. But to me, it's one of the biggest franchise. I want to say it's the biggest franchise to ever exist. Marvel may be eclipsing that at this point, but you know, let's take Marvel out of it. It's easily the most important series of, of science fiction action movies that have ever existed and redefined special effects and movie making and, and the cultural zeitgeist and all of that stuff. And the fact that they go into this knowing that they're going to make a trilogy and only tell one story at a time just seems incredibly short-sighted i yeah that that's mind-blowing yeah so all right let's get into it sir are you uh are you ready to kind of walk us through 
I, I, first of all, I have to give you a huge amount of props uh, for those that don't know or haven't listened to us before. Pip does an, um, an inordinate amount of research and kind of as, as he, he really kind of guides us through these episodes and I'm just kind of the idiot in the corner that reacts to him. So thank you. <laughs> thank you in advance. Um, thank you for the last episode and, and thank you for all the time and, and effort you put into this. It's, well, it makes it awesome. That's that's extremely kind and unbelievably unnecessary. I mean, you know, the research includes just watching Star Wars. So, you know, if not all heroes wear capes, I guess, you know, that's just me. That's the the burden I have to bear. But um, no, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, and this this whole podcast has been a, a great excuse to do so. But yeah, let's get started. So let's uh, let's roll right into this. So uh, as with every Star Wars saga movie, we're going to start with the scroll and we're going to see right away that Leia will be a focus. She's going to have more of a part in this and that Luke will return to the re- to restore a spark of hope to the fight. And I don't know about you, but before the end of this movie, I'm going to get real tired of hearing about sparks uh, because that, uh, that that's going <laughs> to keep coming up again. And, and I'll, I'll have plenty of jokes for that later. But we begin very urgently on the heels of the force awakens as this story picks up minutes after star killer base is destroyed and we have the rebels desperately uh trying to evacuate their base on dakar i guess is what it's called d apostrophe q a r have we heard of this before was it ever named uh, i'm not oh, I'm, sure I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure i wore that fragrance in like eighth grade oh that's right <laughs> i knew i heard that somewhere yeah that's why none of the girls talk to me um so the first order shows up out of hyperspace, out of nowhere to finish them off. And then we see uh, the return of General Hux, who is a character that I think I liked from The Force Awakens. I think I was interested to see where it went, but I hadn't really gotten to the point where I was really excited about him yet. And I don't know about you, but when I saw him uh, at the beginning of, of this first scene, he looked really sickly for some reason. Like he had these bags, these purple bags under his eyes. And I didn't know if there was something that they were intentionally trying to show us there. I don't think so. But we get this dialogue and I, I don't know, like right off the bat, I think he has one of the, the most significant pieces of dialogue initially in this movie. And I don't know, is it me or does it seem like he's especially keen on overacting? Because I, I don't know, maybe he thinks he's still in a Harry Potter movie or what? I, I don't know what's going on, but it's just very grandiose and, and very obnoxious to me. Hux to me doesn't fit his character until, spoiler alert, until the third movie when we find out he like is a traitor. Up until then, I don't like a single thing that Hux does. From the Hitler speech in episode seven, to this you're right overacting here and and i can't i can't even put my finger on what it is i don't like about him Uh, it's almost like he doesn't fit in the star wars universe and and it's not because the best analogy that i can make is in some of the marvel movies you get these, especially towards the end, you get these big name actors that want to be in a Marvel movie just so they can put it on their on their resume, right? It's pretty clear that that's kind of what they're doing. And I'm not suggesting that the that the actor that plays Hux is a is a big name because I couldn't even tell you what his name is. But it almost feels like he's just in this movie just because he wants to be in a Star Wars movie, right? It's, it's not. It, 
I, I don't know. I, I get, I'm not really explaining my, but it's, he just never felt right to me. And so again, I don't know if that's overacting or I didn't like the character or what have you, but he was just kind of always kind of a smarmy, squirrely miscast character. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it's the acting. I, I think that the, the, the care, well, first of all, I think he seems young for me. He seems like somebody who has been put in this movie from another famous movie, which is kind of what happened, you know, purely because of his look, maybe, you know, he's, uh, he's got the accent. He's, he definitely has the, the menacing look to him, but he just, he tries to oversell it to me here. And I don't know if that's the direction or if that's just his initial thing, but he's, so we're going to get to this. I think, is it, I believe it's the next movie. Cause I don't talk about him here. Uh, General pride, I think is his name is one of the, uh, the characters in the, the rise of Skywalker, I believe. And, and he is, he's much more calm and reserved, but he's also very menacing in, in his, his, uh, his own right. So I think that that, that actor would have been a better fit for something like this. General Hux just seems to be very bombastic and it doesn't, it doesn't fit here. What role was he in the Harry Potter universe? He, he was, was in that movie. He was the oldest Weasley brother. So he was, I, I, I was going to say he, 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 he feels like a, like a, like a, like an RA. He, he, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he feels well, like he a, was the, he was the prefect, I think is what they I was called gonna it. Say, so, yeah. Like that's, that's what he, and, and I didn't even, like I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm like, yeah, it looks like familiar. It's been a long time since I've seen those movies as well. But like, that's, that's what he feels like. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell on Hux. I, I'm just, yeah, yeah I just he feels, he feels like he's over his head. Right. I guess his name is Bill. I, I said Percy. It's not Percy. It's, uh, it's Bill Weasley. Okay. But at any rate, so we get our first look at the First Order Dreadnought, which basically looks like a Star Destroyer on steroids. And Poe shows up out of nowhere by himself to start messing with Hux over communications. And we get our first ever Star Wars mom joke. Like what? I mean, immediately I am one of the biggest things that I can say as a disservice to a movie is when it takes me out of the movie. Like there are, there's such thing as a good decision in a movie and a bad decision in a movie. And then there's the decision or there's the scene that completely makes me think, wait a minute, I'm watching a movie and what the hell is happening here? Like there are things that I agree with and things that I don't agree with. And then there are the things that completely take me out of the story. And this was one of them. And I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of immediately flabbergasted. Like what is going on here? Yeah. The, you know, the, this, this entire opening scene, in, in fact, I think I even might've sent you a text as, as ironically enough, we, you and I were watching, watching this at the same time. Very much. This, this opening scene is, at the same time, some of the best and some of the worst of this entire movie, right? Because you, you've got the the visual of the dreadnoughts, which just looks amazing as it comes out of hyperspace. It's this huge ship. It's it's very menacing. The way it's lit is awesome. The visual of Poe coming at it, you know, in a single troop or a single fighter is is really cool. And then you get this, yeah. Then you get mom jokes, right? And you're just kind of like, what, what, like, what just, what just? Am I in a an American Pie version of Star Wars, right? <laughs> um, and and it's you know in the fir- in the fir- in the Force Awakens, Poe was one of my favorite characters, 
because he brought a little bit of levity, but it was never, right. it was never to this level. I mean, it was, it was never campy. It was never silly. It was, he, he was kind of a hotshot pilot yeah. and he was clearly arrogant and he was clearly kind of bringing levity to a situation that he didn't know how to deal with. But now, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's straight out of American pie. I mean, it's, it's just silly. Well, I think what you're looking for is space balls because that's all I'm thinking about yeah, at the beginning of this right. movie. It's straight up Mel Brooks level humor. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love space balls and I love Mel Brooks, but it doesn't belong in this universe. And it feels Star Wars has always had an element of comedy to it, but it's not written for comedy. And that's what this scene feels like. It feels like it's trying to elicit a laugh. And, and that doesn't make sense. It, it, it feels very out of place. And you know what? You know what's even worse about it is if you would have taken those couple attempts at pure laughter out of this scene, this, it would have been so much better. I mean, th this scene, up until the, the nonsense with the bombers, and we'll get there, um, this scene looks beautiful. I mean, when you're talking about Poe yes. versus a dreadnought, it is, it's straight up awesome. If you can forget about the, uh, the, the, the comedic nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I, the one, one of the greatest, uh, compliments I can give this movie right out of the gate is that it definitely continues what I think we saw from the last movie, which is a really beautifully shot movie, like everything from, the practical effects to the special effects, like everything looks really gorgeous, but there's just a lot of questions around some of the decisions they're making here for sure. And, you know, space balls is definitely on the front of my mind, which is not what I want to be thinking about when I'm watching a star Wars movie. Are, are, are just as, as we go through this, there there's, you know, there's clearly some decisions that I think you and I both are not going to agree with. Uh, are we, are we putting those decisions on, on Ryan Johnson? Is that, is that who gets these, is that who gets yes. the, and, here, okay. and here's why, because he was the chief writing credit for this movie. He did not just direct this movie. He wrote it. So, yeah, I mean, I think okay. he was obviously working in tow with his producer and with Kathleen Kennedy. But ultimately, Ryan Johnson has the writing credit and he's going to be the one that I think we have to either compliment or blame, whichever you decide, for the direction we take our hero, Luke Skywalker, which is definitely something that we're going to get to. But yeah, he was he was credited as the writer. So the first movie, The Force Awakens, had J.J. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who who wrote uh, Empire. 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 OK, thank you. Yeah. I knew it was one of the one of the three. Uh, and I think there was a third one. I don't remember the, the name of the third one, but this one is solely credited to Ryan Johnson. So, yeah, I think he has to take the hit for this. That's what I thought. Um... That's fine. I just, and, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't some, or I don't appreciate some of the choices he made or attempts that he make, but I just wanted to identify that even if it's just in my mind of who I'm going to, who, who my vitriol is going to be, is going to be geared towards. Sure. I think it's going to be split a, a little bit, but, but we'll see how this pans out. So using his own version of nitrous oxide, Poe speeds quickly to the dreadnought where he takes out all the surface cannons to make room for the uh, the wave of bombers that we're going to see and we're going to see some other goofy shit like bba cartoonishly headbutting circuit breakers in order to fix the x-wing and, and i mean as i'm watching this movie in the theater i'm shaking my head i'm like ah this just doesn't feel right like i i, I felt like it was it was geared more towards children at this point and i i don't understand that at all but then they totally redeem themselves by 
right in the middle of space, he does this 180 degree turn, which just, it's something that we've never seen from a ship like that. And it, it looks really cool. Like, you know, visually we're still in a really good place with what they're doing with these stories. And, and I really appreciate that. At this, at this point, like I said, I'm, I'm, um, I'm shaking my head at already at some of the kind of poor choices in terms of the comedy, but I'm also, I'm cautiously optimistic because we're get we're seeing stuff that we haven't seen before. We're seeing ships. We're seeing again, the the, the 180 was just, I'm not sure how that works in space, but again, I've never (laughs) been to space. Uh, But, but again, it's just, and I think what it's, what it's showing is, what a badass pilot Poe is, right? And and yes. that's and I'm and I'm all in on Poe, even with the silliness. I, I like I love Correct. that character. Absolutely. I'm 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 with you on that. So that's what sort of helps to redeem a little bit of this moment. But then we see Poe turn off his comms because he's talking to Leia and she's trying to get him to disengage and 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 he won't do it. And meanwhile, the slowest bombers in the history of the galaxy are approaching the ship. And I I'm just I'm trying to understand the thought process of why they're doing this. I mean, I don't know. Is this hopelessly stupid or is this just me? Because A, Poe can't be this selfish. Like he understands what it's like to be in the middle of a war and and they're ridiculously outnumbered. And I just wonder, like, like, do you feel that Poe has been set up to be this much of a renegade? Like, I, I get that he's sort of this trilogy's Han Solo, but he's just flat out denying orders and putting other people's lives at risk. And I don't know, maybe as an adult, I care more about that as a storyline than I would have as a kid. But this is pretty reckless, isn't it? It, it, it Yes, it is. It's remarkably reckless. But the only thing I will say is I, as I was watching it, I was with Poe in terms of, because what he said was something to the effect of like, hey, we have an opportunity to take out a dreadnought. Uh, and at this point, this is the only dreadnought that we had ever seen in the Star Wars universe. So I don't know if there's one of them or a hundred, you know, I don't know how many there are. And, and, I, and I think what he is thinking is we're not going to get an opportunity like this again. So we need to take the opportunity. I and and they really kind of hit the nail on the head after this battle where they show how uh, there in fact Leia looks at the screen and there's like so many cr- uh, ships that are X'd out or uh, you know meaning they've been lost. I didn't really in my mind I didn't even really get that until even though they clearly they're showing us all of these ships go down. But at this point I'm I'm with Poe. I I understand his motivation. In retrospect it's clearly the wrong choice. But I, at the first time I watched it, I was with it. And that's interesting because I think this is one area where you and I will definitely differ because for me, I was immediately like, what the fuck is he doing? Because I think it was because of the the line that he used, which is like, we have a chance to take out a dreadnought. And it's like, okay, but that's a great achievement that you could put on your badge. But I mean, you don't need to do that. You need to get the hell out of there because they're clearly you know, they're, they're moving in on this base and everybody's trying to get out of there, but, but he's persisting and he's trying to, uh, to push his forces on them when all they really need to do is escape. And that to me was a very, really questionable decision on his part. And I, I think what we're supposed to understand it and maybe not now, but eventually is that this is kind of part of his character arc for this movie, right? Because we're going to see him do the exact opposite later, uh, 
uh, in the third act of the movie. And, and that's, I think, supposed to redeem him. But it's it's going to get messy because there's just so much stuff at that point going on. Yep. But but to carry on. So the bombers are approaching the target and they get picked off one at a time. And, and, and these scenes are gorgeous. Like, honestly, these are really, really impressive looking space battles. And it makes me really long for more of that. But the last remaining bomber gets, you know, closer and eventually gets hit, but not before the pilot can really illogically kick the remote into her hands. And eventually the payload is dropped. And, and so is she right on top of the dreadnought. And and uh, the dreadnought is taken down, which is, you know, it's interesting. I think it's uh, interesting how they're setting up this moment where, you know, Poe, kind of wins but at the same time he loses because he doesn't realize that obviously a lot of lives were lost here uh, but the resistance uh, you know they, they finally get away they, they jump to light speed and, and Hux is beckoned by Snoke right away who kind of force bullies him until we're, we find out that you know Hux says that they're tied to the end of a string which I think is really interesting and we're going to find out what that means here soon and then we uh, we cut to our first shot of, of Finn at this point waking up in some sort of uh, you know recovery chamber maybe it's a back to tank or something along those lines you know where we see him again here here comes some of the the cartoonish stumbling around until Poe discovers him and and asks asks the question we're all wondering you know where's Ray and, and more importantly for my mind where's Luke Skywalker and I I suppose they do a good job of starting off with with some good action scenes but you know, the Force Awakens ends with Luke Skywalker before he gets ready to talk. And and as I'm going into this movie, that's what I want to see. Like, that's what I'm geared up to do. So we cut to this planet, Octu, which I don't know. Did they name this planet after a sneeze? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, and this is where we left Ray and, and Luke standing on a cliff. And she's presenting him his his old lightsaber. And after the, you know, and after this long, dramatic pause, we see Luke just he takes the lightsaber he looks very dramatically at it and he just tosses this legendary piece of history off the side of the cliff and and you know ray has this look which really reflects exactly what i was thinking at this moment and i'm like what in the actual fuck is happening here like i i, I we both know where it's going to go but even even looking at this it seemed almost immediately too comedic to really be able to process and and i i immediately was taken out of this moment yeah this this five or six minutes is really where the film lost me when we you know we we had a there was a long discussion about how the force awaken is essentially a reboot of star wars and I think in that last episode, I even said, I didn't really catch that watching the movie. I just, I just never really caught it, with the exception of Star Killer Base. Going into this one, I was looking for clues or looking for cues of, are, hey, are they going to replay similar beats? Are they going to, you know, those kind of things. And the first one that I caught was Finn in the back to tank or the suit or whatever, whatever it was, right? Yeah, good call. Yeah. And, and it was it was but here's the thing it was played it was silly as opposed to luke on empire yes. which was a hundred percent yes he was in a diaper and we were eight and we were like haha that's funny but it wasn't played that way right it was played as a he's recovering from his wounds whereas finn like it 
and I think even the musical cues are kind of like silly, right? He gets up and he's he's leaking fluid and he's walking around. It looks like he's in a diaper and he's kind of walking around like a dope. And and, and so you got that. And then you've got the way Luke handles the saber, which again, that saber, that individual item is 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 everything in the star especially up until this point is everything in the star wars universe that was anakin's saber that was luke's saber that like that that particular saber was the one it was the it was the first lightsaber we ever saw on screen obi-wan gave it to luke on tatooine in episode four and 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 for him to just kind of toss it away and it's not even that he's tossing it away because if if we had had that scene where luke had you know, we had established kind of why Luke is where he is and why he's grumpy and why he's bitter and why he's a hermit and this, that, and the other thing. If we had established that first and then got him tossing it away, okay, well, then maybe it would make a little bit more sense. Sure. But to your point, without any of that, it just, it feels like it's being played for comedy. I don't think it, it actually is. No. I don't think it actually is being played for comedy. And that's even more tragic because it plays for comedy when it shouldn't be. And, and that's, and that's even more of a miss, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that moment to me was, uh, it, it uh, tragic is a good word because I just, I was sort of dumbfounded by what was happening there. And it's interesting because I think this is sort of the first, the first hint at the direction that Ryan Johnson is sort of taking this story, which is, you know, we're going to get a lot of commentary for Ky from Kylo later in the movie about destroy the past, you know, kill it. It doesn't matter. Let's, let's start over again. And I feel like this is kind of a symptom of what he's trying to do. He's trying to rewrite star Wars in a way, like again, thematically, this movie is going to be very different from every other star Wars movie. It's going to take a lot of chances and I'm going to respect the hell out of the effort that is made behind taking these chances. But I think the execution is going to miss because it's just not very Star Wars centric, as we all know it. Yeah. We'll get to those parts as, as we continue on. So Chewie, at this point, Chewie busts in Luke's hut, ready to rip his arms off like a gun dark. Uh, when Luke realizes that there's a significant character missing and he, he says, where's Han? And at this point, I realized that I'm still very butthurt for lack of a better term that we don't get any sort of reaction like we're not like Han Solo was a pivotal character in this entire saga and he died in the last movie and we're not getting anything out of it and I was really disappointed by the fact that they just kind of cut away and they didn't do that although I will say that in, in watching this movie for some of the research and, and delving into a little bit of the extra footage and the deleted scenes there was a scene where Luke sort of retreats to one of his huts and he sits down and he has a moment where he's getting ready to basically cry because he realizes that Han's not there anymore. But I, I'm still, I'm still not over the fact that we're, we don't have the ability to mourn his loss. And, and granted, you know, we don't really have time. This movie establishes that from the beginning, it starts immediately after the last movie in the, uh, the first order is on the heels of of our uh, of our heroes, so there's not really a lot of time to do that. But you know, you're waiting for that moment. At least I am. While I'm watching this movie, I'm waiting for that moment where worlds collide and Luke realizes that Han Solo is no 
no longer a part of this story. And I just, I wanted more, like I wanted some more gravitas to that. And I didn't feel like I got it. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I had, <clears throat> I had essentially three questions coming into this movie. Who is Ray? Where is Luke Skywalker? And how are they going to deal with Han Solo? And the answers that I got from this movie were a real letdown because the answers to that, those, those questions are in order. Who is Ray? Nobody. Where's Luke Skywalker? Somewhere. What are they going to do with Han Solo? Nothing like that. I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so true. And I, so, so I was, I was really, I was, butthurt is a great word. I, Hans, I, again, I mentioned Han Solo is my favorite, all time favorite Star Wars character. And, you know, and, and I wasn't, um, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I really, I, I really wasn't expecting some big, like, you know, generals, you know, I wasn't expecting the thing that we got for Padme, you know, with the, you know, I wasn't expecting that but I was expecting something and, and we literally got nothing. I mean, we, we, yeah. we got, we got, where's Han. And then Luke kind of gives a, you know, ugh, kind of thing. Right. And yeah. then, and we, I guess the closest we get to it was when Luke goes into the Falcon and kind of sits there and realizes that Han is not there. But even that is just kind of like, ugh, okay, I, I guess. Yeah. Right? But that feels less about Han and more about Luke, you know, more yeah, about, no, you're right. Yeah. M- more about, you know, his, his, um, his conflict at this point with cutting himself off from the force, which we're going to get to and, and Ray and all this stuff, like his past coming back to him. I don't know. It just, it, yeah, I I'm in the same boat as you. It didn't, uh, I, I wanted more of, um, some sort of pageantry or some sort of ceremony or something that, that properly did that. Padme was Padme was not nearly as interesting a, a character as Han Solo was in my opinion. So I, you know, the fact that she got a whole parade and he basically, uh, he, he got nothing was, was, you know, pretty disappointing, but again, they're telling a different kind of story here. They're trying to move it along. And and I appreciate that. And I guess I'll try to do the same. So we cut to our first shot of Kylo in this movie and we're introduced to the actual Supreme leader, Cornelius Snoke. I don't his name's not Cornelius, but, uh, I was trying to find a good first name for him. And, and that's what I came up with. I kind of like it. Uh, and, and I honestly, I got to give a lot of credit. So I, I don't think Snoke was given a lot of good service in the last movie. And some may argue that, you know, he's a terrible character in general because he was he never got any depth. But from from visually in this movie, I think they did a really great job with him. I think that he looks as a CG character. I think what Andy Serkis and, and the, the computer animation people did to make him look real was phenomenal. I really do. Like I look at him talk. I look at how he interacts with Ray uh, in, in future scenes. And I think it's amazing. Like I really, it it sells me. There's no point where I'm watching him where I'm like, Oh yeah, that's totally fake. They, they do a really good job with it. No, I I would agree. If you were to tell me that this was a a practical costume, I would have been like, oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like, you know what I mean? It it, it mm-hmm. didn't look it didn't look CG. Granted, he didn't do a ton, 
but yeah, if you would have told me that this was a, a rubber mask, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I would have. And that's, and that's a very, the high compliment that I can give the, the CG here. For sure. So Kylo uh, unmasks and, and we see his scar has slightly moved. Uh, and this appears to be a conscious choice by our uh, new director, but Snoke, you know, brings to the table one of the bigger criticisms of the third act of The Force Awakens, which I think is really interested when he says, you know, that he was, Kylo was basically bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber, which I think was really fun that they called that out. And then, you know, of course, Kylo does what Kylo does and he flips out and he, he rage smashes his mask, his very iconic mask into, uh, into a console and, uh, and, and that, you know, basically destroying that. And we won't see that mask for the rest of the movie. And, you know, I think Adam driver really puts on a great performance. And I think he really stands out more in this movie than he did the last. Uh, and, and we'll get there because I think that there are a lot of really good scenes that he's involved in coming up, but, you know, Ray fills Luke in on, on what he's missed as we cut back to Octu and, and we see him very disinterested with everything. And, you know, I like this quote where she says, uh, or I'm sorry, where he says that you think I'm going to walk out with a laser sword and, and face the whole first order, because it's basically exactly what he ends up doing at the end of the movie, which is kind of funny. Uh, but she yes. follows him around in, in a bizarre series of events, which include, you know, a long hike and some pole vault spear fishing and a, a really unsettling scene of him milking sort of this creature. And he's drinking this green milk. And, you know, I'm watching this and it's the same sort of criticism that I mentioned before. Like, it, it took me out of watching a movie. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is happening here? I don't understand. Like, wh like, where are you with this right now when you're watching this? Uh, I, I'm right where you are. I, I don't, I don't get it. I think they're, I think it feels like they're trying to get me caught up to where Luke has been over the last however many umpteen years, but it seems like a, like a boring, just day in the life of a Jedi master. It's just like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't give a fuck that he has to like, it doesn't serve the story. No, I, it's like, well, yeah, of course the dude has to eat and go to the bathroom and take a shit and like i don't care i don't, I don't want to see it you know oh thank god we didn't have to see a jedi shit in this movie <laughs> you know what i mean but like yeah it's just it's um again i can only assume that they're showing us green milk because they showed us blue milk in star wars <laughs> i um, guess right um you know it's like the, the you know all the, the the colors of the rainbow let, let me ask you a question <clears throat> what was the did did snoke call out the fact that Kylo lost to a girl that had never picked up a lightsaber. Is that just response to the Mary Sue talk on the internet or, or was that a part of the story? Do you think? I think it was a little bit meta. I, I think that Ryan Johnson was not afraid to take chances in this respect. And I think that um, it's very possible that that was, in response to some of the criticism of the first movie. I, I think a lot of what we're going to see in this movie is response to the last movie. And, and some of it is going to be, it's going to feel very in, intentional as an effort to 
counteract what was done before this. And I, I don't, yeah. I don't see Ryan Johnson as being that kind of guy who says, I don't like JJ. So I'm going to spit in the face of everything he tried to do in the force awakens, but there are definitely, he, he basically tries to say, Hey, you know, that mystery box, that doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit about the mystery box. Like it, it's, it's irrelevant. And that seems to be a big thing, you know, a big theme, I should say of, what JJ does in his directing style. And I think we're going to see Ryan Johnson say, no, I, that doesn't matter. And I'm going to take this a whole different direction. Yeah. So, so on, on one hand, no, you know what? I'll even go a step further. I was going to say on one hand, I agree. On the other hand, I disagree. I actually, I, I applaud Ryan Johnson for doing that. If, if he is responding to, yeah. this criticism I, I applaud him for doing that you know i i don't know that it's a it's a necessarily great idea for a for a a, a director of a huge budget film to to kowtow to you know nerds on the internet but i applaud him for doing it yeah i agree he's taking chances and and that's going to be the biggest compliment i can give this movie by the time it's over and and you know i wouldn't have expected that for sure right Ray gets the sense that something is not entirely right on the island, which is when we get our first official Dagobah vibes, which is when I get my first official Dagobah vibes, because that's clearly sort of a, a callback, I think, to what we see in Empire Strikes Back. And she finds her way to this cave where, uh, you know, she stumbles on the Jedi texts and her and Luke have this, you know, the first real interesting exchange, I think, between her and Luke. And, you know, there's some exposition provided you know, Ray admits that she needs help understanding the force and, and we get, we get the feeling that Luke is going to train her, but he's still kind of pushing back. But this is where he basically says the Jedi need to end, but you know, we don't really learn why at this point, which is a little bit weird, but it's intriguing. And I, I, I like that. I like the fact that it's going in a weird direction and I don't necessarily understand it, but I mean, what do you think? Are you, are you on board with where this is going or, or are you already sort of, ahead of the curve in terms of saying i don't know about this luke guy in this movie so here's here's what i will say i am disappointed with the direction that luke is going in this movie at this point because it's not the direction that i wanted luke to go in okay but i understand that that's a that's me right that's that's something that i need to internalize sure that being said the biggest compliment that I can give this movie is the fact that ultimately we're going to find out that Luke and all of his, all of his, all of his reasons for being and all of his reasons for thinking the way he does and really come down to what a mistake, a mistaken understanding, a misunderstanding, a, you know what I mean? Like lapse we of see judgment. Yeah. Right. We, we see multiple versions of, of this event and, and what that, what I, and I like that. I appreciate that because like, like that's life, right? I mean, whether it's, whether it's in this universe or a galaxy far, far away, I, I appreciate that. And so even, even though I'm not, I'm not thrilled with the direction that Luke Skywalker is going at this point, I'm okay with that because I can understand 
um, why Luke is making the decisions that he is making, um, whether I whether I agree with them or not. Yeah, at this point, I think I'm I'm not off board. I I, I don't know if I'm yeah. on board, but I'm not off board. I'm I'm interested to see where it's going to go. And ultimately, I, I can't say that I'm going to get where I want to get with it, but you know, we'll we'll talk about that as we kind of get a little further along here. But we move back to Leia, and the and the resistance comes out of hyperspace as they have you know escaped the first order, and you know we see her slap Poe, and and he gets demoted right away because of his actions, and and I think it's a hundred percent just like it, it makes all the sense in the world especially the way that she delivers that and this this is kind of the beginning of where i feel like carrie fisher really starts to to get back up to speed as her role as princess leia or in this case general leia and then you know admiral akbar from return of the jedi shows up out of nowhere to uh, announce that the first order has apparently found them and tracked them through light speed and, and what i think is the most interesting thing about this that maybe a lot of star wars nerds don't know is that this may seem like a nasty contrivance and and we're going to have a lot of those in this movie but we have to give johnson a little bit of credit because this was actually dropped as a as a story bit in rogue one which most people might not know like jen urso uh, the the female lead for uh in that movie she was uh she was going through a bunch of uh uh, tape databases towards the end of the movie and she was looking for something very specific and she made some sort of comment about light speed uh, or hyperspace tracking or something along those lines so they kind of tipped their hat to the fact that the uh, the empire at the time was researching this technology which is kind of interesting and, and it's a nice little like okay like i was gonna call bullshit but now i can't really do that because you guys made it canon way before and and that was pretty cool but, you know, Leia quickly realizes that jumping again is going to mean the death of the fleet because they're going to be out of out of gas, for lack of a better term. So they scramble fighters in an attempt to to put distance between themselves and, and, and you know, the bigger ships. And I, I got to be honest with you, this is going to reveal what may be one of the dumbest plots in movie history. And this is where my issues with Ryan Johnson and his writing really come in, because this is going to end up being the slowest space chase that we've ever seen and i just I, I if you look at it on paper and if you read it like if i'm kathleen kennedy and i'm reading a treatment of this movie i have to be thinking wait what like that's what we're doing like this whole thing is just a really slow paced car chase like it doesn't make sense and it, it we you know we learn in an upcoming scene with some really sloppy exposition that they can somehow outrun these ships and keep at a range where the cannons are ineffective against their shields. But, you know, they're, they're just, they're literally waiting for the good guys to fucking run out of gas. Like that's what we're doing. And I'm, I'm what, like, is this happening? Is this, is this the plot? Yeah. Is this one of the plots to a star Wars movie? We're running, we're waiting for them to run out of gas. (laughs) I can't even talk. <laughs> this I mean, is right, where I'm like, yeah, th- this is th- this right here is where I'm out. Th- I, like I, I'm done. Like it's th- so dumb. It when, is when, so dumb. When, when, when I, when, when I put two and two together that they are literally waiting for them to run out of gas. 
<laughs> and 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 it's just a foregone conclusion. Like it, it's going to happen. It's like there's nothing that, the, that sure. the rebels can do about it. Like it's going to happen. It's not like there's an Exxon station no, in no, the middle no, of space no. that they're just going to be able to stop at and then refuel and be like, no. "Deuces, we're out of here." No, it's it. Yes, when when I put this together, that it was essentially a slow speed. It, it is the OJ Simpson chase in space, right? It's just like the slow speed yes. wait, waiting for them to run out of gas. Um, the resistance it, fighters are basically in a Ford Bronco right now. <laughs> right. Right. And I, yeah, from here on out, from here on out, I'm, I, I, I'm saying, okay, I'm not happy with this movie. Make me happy. Give me something right. to re- to redeem this. Exactly. Like, that, like that's where I'm at. I'm like, yeah. give give me something to redeem this film because right now I'm not happy because they haven't answered my Luke question, they haven't answered my Ray question, they haven't answered my Han question, and now I'm waiting for a fucking spaceship to run out of gas. Like fuck you. Give me something. And they give me a couple things, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, halfway through or a third of the way through The Force Awakens, I'm I'm all in. Right. I'm I'm just like, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm getting new characters. I'm getting reintroduced characters. I've got these new characters that I don't really know, but they're intriguing. And oh, my, this is great. I've got Han. I've got Chewie, blah, 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 blah. blah, This and the other thing, I've got this new Darth Vader. And this one, I'm like, wait, I've got fucking Hermit Luke. Han is dead. Chewie's dealing with these fucking little pigeons that he's eating we haven't even touched on that um <laughs> right I mean, right it's just like we we've thrown away the most iconic lightsaber in the galaxy um oh by the way they, we've got these little nuns on this planet that are just like there we haven't touched on those either that are yeah. just there for comedic it's just sure. like it, it's so fucking stupid and and with the exception of the original the, the the opening scene we don't even have any action we, we're yeah. literally waiting for ships to, to fall out of orbit after they've run out of gas. Yeah. And that's, that's going to continue. Unfortunately, I'd like to say that, you know, we're going to, we're going to course correct on that plot line, but we're not, we've got, because... one, we've got one, we've got one scene later, but that's it. Yeah. So before we even get into that, you know, we see Kylo with the opportunity to finish off the rest of his family by, by killing his mom, by killing Leia. And he hesitates for long enough to, let one of the other TIE fighters take their shot and blow up Leia's ship. And now we're going to get into some shit right here. Uh, we do get a really cool, I, I will say that we get this really cool scene where it's sort of, uh, the screen is wiping back and forth between Kylo and Leia before the shots are taken. And this is almost exactly uh, a lift from Empire Strikes Back after you know Luke escapes from Bespin and he's sort of forced chatting with uh, his dad with Darth Vader and, and it's the same sort of thing where it sort of bounces back and forth, but visually like it, the, the, the cinematography, it's, it sort of wipes the same way, which I think is really cool and, and a nice little nod back there. But then, you know, <laughs> we get the ship and it, and it, uh, I won't say the ship blows up because the ship doesn't blow up, but they clearly shoot the part where Leia and some of the, uh, the people are. And, and I, you know, it explodes violently into space and, hope is not lost, you know, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but hope is not lost for our heroine because we see Leia for the first time ever 
used the force and wheeled her back, wheeled herself back into the ship. And, you know, I don't have a problem with this conceptually. Like if you're writing this down in a script, I think it makes sense, but I'm watching this and I'm, I, I, I just don't know visually if I'm on board with the way that they're doing this. I mean, I, I there's, so there's two things, I guess, a, did you like the way they do this and B knowing at this point, what we knew, which is that Carrie Fisher very sadly and very untimely passed away after this movie was created, but not before the movie was completed. So they had the opportunity to kill Princess Leia at this point of the movie, right? Uh, and of course, when it instantly when this scene happens and I'm in the theater, I'm thinking, oh, this is it, right? Like, this is how they're getting rid of her character. And they decide not to like they could have done that and then sort of retailored the rest of the story but they didn't what do you think about this like do you are you getting weird sort of vibes from the way that they did this or do you think that they should have used this as an opportunity to just end the character of princess leia yes i wish they would have taken this opportunity to kill leia oh wow Abs okay absolutely I, I thought they were going to I thought I thought that that's that's where they were going. I so in the in the scene just previous to this, where Han and or I'm sorry, uh, Kylo and Leia are clearly kind of communicating through the Force or feeling one another or what have you. Um, I and I actually really really liked the fact that he you know, they show his fingers on the trigger and he did not, he did not kill Leia. Mm -hmm. And he clearly made a choice not to kill Leia. He had already killed his, his father. He chose not to kill his mother. Um, and, and then somebody, somebody else swooped in and, 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 and made the shot. It, it would have been a great opportunity for Kylo Ren to have some reason to redeem, right? Hey, I, yes, I killed my father and, and now I'm avenging my mother. Somebody else killed my mother, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Right. Um, but yes, I, I, in retrospect, I, 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 not even in retrospect at this point, I wanted her to, I wanted her to go out I, again. I didn't want to lose princess Leia, general Leia. And I, and I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't have been upset if they, somehow managed to save her as they did the visual of how they did it was really, really bad. I mean, th right. this is, this is kind of commonly known as the, the Mary Poppins Leia, right? It's just Carrie like Poppins, I believe. Is Carrie Poppins. Right? Yeah. Carrie <laughs> Poppins, you know, she's kind of flying through space. I mean, it's just like, it just, it just looks so bad. Right. And, and it's not even, it's not even, again, if, if you write it down and you, and you read it, Okay, well, she's 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 blown out into space, and she uses the force to get back to the to the frigate. Okay, well that that makes sense. Sure, you know, right? But the, but the way they do it, it just it just it. And again, I don't know how the fuck you film it any better, but it just it looked really really bad. I think in retrospect, I would have I would have rather her died here. I would have rather her character died here. I think it would have been a, it would have been a really, really intense moment because at this point you would have lost Akbar because you lost Akbar here. Sure. Uh, you would have lost general Leia as well. It would have been a really pivotal moment. I think for Kylo Ren, 
because the rest of the universe thinks that Kylo Ren then has killed his mother and his father, but he knows better. He knows that it's this other trooper that did it. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was a missed opportunity, especially, especially where she goes. She doesn't really do much moving forward. We, you know, we get one scene later with, with her and quote Luke, it's not even Luke, but she doesn't really do much. And she certainly doesn't do much in the third episode for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, least of all the, you know, she didn't, she was dead already. Uh, or the, Carrie Fisher was dead, you know? So I, in retrospect, yes, I wish I wish she would have gone out here. They very easily could have taken the opportunity to do that. And I, I think selfishly, maybe I'm glad they didn't personally, just because I really like the scene at the end with Mark Hamill. And, and that to me helps me justify how I feel about this series a little bit more because I think I talked in the last episode about the, you know, one of the biggest misses that this series is going to have is that all three characters didn't get back on screen together. We got Han and Leia on screen together. We will never get Han and Luke on screen together, but we will get Luke and Leia on screen together. And I think that, that that's going to be a nice, it's going to be a really, really nice moment at the end of the film. But I see what you're saying. I think that, the rest of it sort of feels like we're trying to force this to to make sense and it it does to some extent in this movie it does in the next movie i think they do it really well spoiler alert but i i don't i don't think it's necessary i don't think it serves the story at all but you know we'll, we'll certainly get to that as we get to rise of skywalker but we'll head back to act two where we see chewie get second thoughts about eating a porg after cooking it mind you and, and i don't want to spend a lot of time on this i almost just skipped this bullet point altogether but i mentioned it only because we're going to get some more really weird animal rights vibes later in this movie which i again i feel seem really out of place here but the, the, this is the disnification of star yes Wars. it's yeah absolutely i i think that is a that is a valid point and and we're going to get more of that but and then we get to one of my, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in the whole entire movie, where, which is the reunion of, of Luke and R2-D2. And honestly, I wasn't prepared for how charming the scene was going to be. But Luke and R2 have, have always had this really special connection. And it really dug up some Empire Strikes Back vibes that made me want to, you know, see them on more adventures together. So, you know, for all the best goosebump raising moments in this new trilogy like i was surprised about how this really hit me hard when he's on the falcon and he sees r2 and r2 turns on the hologram uh, so that he sees the the princess leia from from a new hope and and that's really the moment that he ends up deciding he's going to end up training ray and we'll use training in air quotes because i don't know what fucking training he actually did um but i i don't know i i love this moment like this moment is was what i wish i could take and expand into a whole movie because how i felt about this moment is it, it just it it was so special to me yeah and i and i think you know what i think part of why this moment is special to you is because it's all original trilogy characters yeah right probably. it's you know, it, it's it's Luke, it's Leia, it's R two, it's Chewie. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's um, uh, but no, but, but you're right. I mean, this is this is one of the this is one of the pieces of the movie that that feels right, and uh, that's a that's a that's a weird way of saying I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. 
So we learn at this point that if Leia is officially in a coma and Admiral Akbar has been very unceremoniously dispatched and, and we have our first introduction to uh, the Supreme Bitch, oh, I'm sorry, Vice Admiral Holdo, who, <laughs> who will assume control much to uh, pose dismay. And, and, you know, clearly, I mean, this is Laura Dern. She's a fantastic actress and she's, she's good at being all kinds of personalities and, and they set her up to be very abrasive from the beginning and she does a great job with it. Like, you know, I won't have any, uh, any critique on Laura Dern's performance specifically, but this character really sort of throws me for a loop at some point. Yeah, she's, but. she's, she's cunty, right? I mean, she's just, she's, <laughs> I mean, she, <laughs> it's a good adjective. Yes. You know, she, but, but you're right. I mean, she, she, especially in retrospect, right? Like that's what that character needs to be. You know, because because we are coming at her through the lens of Poe and yes. Poe is wrong. Poe is 100 percent wrong. Yes. And, through a lot of this movie. Yeah, yeah. He, he just is. He's wrong. And and so and she's right. So, yeah, I, 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 I actually I actually like Laura Dern's performance here. And, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of the character to like, but I like the character as well. Yeah, and we'll get more into this, but I, I definitely have a problem with the logic behind why she feels like she needs to hide everything. You know, like if she would have just explained her plans in the beginning, which maybe she doesn't feel like she has to do, but had she done that, then there wouldn't be an eventual mutiny, which we're going to get to. But we get back to Finn and he meets Rose Tico. Tico? Tico? I think it's Tico. Uh, I you think know, who Tico, is yeah who is upset over the loss of her sister, uh, who is, who is actually the bomber who ended up destroying that dreadnought in the first scene. And, you know, she stuns Finn because stuns him literally with a stun gun because she feels like he's trying to escape, which he is trying to escape, but he's trying to do so to meet up with Ray and, and to try to warn her. And then, you know, Rose and Finn have this moment and then they explain all this to Poe. And then they, <laughs> They discover they can't get on. They're they're trying to get the destroyer to the destroyer in effort to disable this light speed tracking, and so they decide to FaceTime Maz Kanata for some reason. I guess just to cram her back into this movie. I liked her in the first movie. Like I didn't have a problem with her. I thought she was an interesting character, but it was so awkwardly jammed into this movie. And, and just so that she can tell them to find a master code breaker on Cantobite. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking, what? I don't know, man. Like, I, first of all, I just don't feel like this has a place in this movie. I mean, I, I like Maz, but what value does this have than awkwardly just shoving her in this movie? The, so the, the next, uh, I don't have the time cues in front of me the next hour of this movie <laughs> I, I i give zero fucks about like right. it, it's it's just it, like cramming it in is exactly is exactly right um I, like i don't want to step on your plot summary but it, but it's just like we could literally skip over it and, and just kind of go to the end and 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 save everybody a lot of time and effort but but it but it's just, yeah we we cram we cram Maz in here we we cram this this entire fucking canto bite scene which 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 has some some animal rights it's got some comedy that is out of place it's got some child slavery that's out of place 
it, it's it's just got a bunch it's 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 a bunch of shit that like there, there's literally no oh by the way again you'll get into it but it was like it, it's we got Benicio del Toro being just b- being Benicio del Toro it, it, you know what I mean just like it feels out of place it's like this fucking random it, it, so they they go to this planet to find a specific guy because FaceTime Maz tells them to find a specific guy. They don't find the specific guy, but they just fucking randomly end up in a in a prison cell with a guy that has the exact same yes skills as the guy they were. I mean, like what in the literal fuck? That is it, the it, definition it, of contrivance. It, it's yes, just... I mean it's it's insane, and, right. and and you can hear it in my voice. I got re pissed again watching it the other day. Yeah. Because I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yes. Like you just happen to run across the guy. You happen to be locked up in a cell with the exact guy that you need to be locked up when you have six hours. Yes. Like, like I, I can't even, I can't even fathom how pissed I am just as a film fan, not even a Star Wars fan. It's just, it's asinine. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 no, I, I mean that's totally blew your plot summary, but it's no, I, no, no. I that's pissed. I mean yeah. that's exactly where we're going. I mean this this to me feels like a bunch of shitty side quests that are part of a really boring video game at this point. It's just it's one little thing after another, and and there are going to be a lot of contrivances, and and I'm going to have to skip over some of the Canto Bite stuff, not for purposes of time, but just it's it's just bad because what we're going to learn by the time we get through all this is that what what Finn and Rose are doing has absolutely no impact on the rest of this story. It is a worthless waste of time. It is just to try to give them an opportunity to do something. And you're splitting up Ray and Poe and Finn, who are supposed to be the three primary characters of this trilogy, but it just, for what reason it, it serves no purpose and it's boring and it's, it's almost insulting as it's handled in this movie. It is insulting and it's, and it's insulting even more so because they set up and I think this comes back to the disnification they they set up and I mentioned it they set up this this idea of like these child slaves that presumably have are are force sensitive or whatever that we literally never come back to ever right like just yeah that's a okay, big correction okay. I I mean we're just and not only do do we not come back to them in this movie, we don't come back to them in the next movie. No, like we never talk about them again. We right. we, we don't. Uh, and it's just. And again, I and I realize that's that's partially because of the whole JJ Ryan JJ thing. But if you, when you come back to this movie, and this is probably the, this might be the first time that I rewatched this movie since I watched Rise of Skywalker. It's really really it really sticks out that this entire middle hour of this movie literally means nothing. It's I mean, it, just, it means, it means yeah. zero. And, yeah. and again, the, the thing that pisses me off more than anything is they went, they went to the planet looking for a specific guy. Didn't find that guy. Or did find that guy or did, but, but, but got, yeah. you know, detracted right. or whatever the word is I'm looking for. And then, for. and then just happened to find another guy that did exactly the same. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm out. I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. The rip cord is, yeah. The rip cord is pulled. I, I am, I'm out. 
yeah yeah and and i was out night one like even in the theater i was just like what the like what the fuck is this this is bad yeah Yeah, it was it was bad storytelling at least it felt that way to me for sure so we get ray uh we get back to octu and and she's starting her training with luke and then we get this scene which again feels overly unnecessarily comedic while uh, he's trying to tickle her hands with (laughs) with a leaf or something while she's trying to learn the force and, uh, you know, there's some moments here where it really feels like it's going somewhere. But ultimately, I, I, what I feel like is it's Mark Hamill playing Mark Hamill. It's not Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. And it, it sort of takes me out of it. Again, part of that may be the fact that Mark Hamill was very openly vocal about his displeasure and his treatment with Luke Skywalker in this story. And I can't imagine how hard that must have been for him to, to have to deal with that. But, you know, the, the, the story continues with, you know, Ray... And him training, again, I'm not sure what training or what lessons she's actually learning, but, you know, she, at this point, she discovers that there's this dark spot on the island where this Dagobah vibe really starts to get heavy, you know, where, you know, Luke went and faced himself in that cave and, and he's really freaked out about her approaching that and essentially says that, you know, she can't go there and now he doesn't want to train her anymore or something along those lines. And and that's when we find out that Luke has basically closed himself off from the Force, which that seems weird considering he agreed to train her in the Force. Like, how can you train someone in the Force and be closed off from it all at the same time? I, I don't yeah, understand that. Yeah, here's this one concept here. And again, I've, I've clearly been fired up over the last few minutes here, but I am intrigued here. I'm intrigued here because this, like, pit for lack of a better term, represents clearly the dark side. It, it is clearly a, a callback to, the, to the, the, uh, the cave in Dagobah. That cave in Dagobah represents Luke's failures. You know, d- does, does, this, does this pit represent Luke's failures as well? Is, is Luke afraid to train Ray because of his failures, because of his failures with Kylo? Like, like so I'm, in, I'm intrigued by all of this. But again, at this point, I'm I'm kind of out. At this point, really, I'm just I'm I'm looking for callbacks. I'm looking. I'm like, okay, this is the Dagobah scene. This is the cave scene. You know, blah blah blah. This that, and the other thing. But but I am, but I'm intrigued by Luke's journey at this point. Not necessarily Ray, but I'm intrigued by Luke's journey because I I, I am interested by the fact that. He has cut himself like, in fact, there's a there's a scene here where Ray kind of clearly uses the force and raises some rocks. And and she says, but I didn't see you. I didn't see anything of you. I didn't see your nothing. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's 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 here where we learn that Luke is actively like basically blocking himself from the force, which is which is intriguing to me is the is the best thing I can say. Yeah. No, I agree like that, that I can at least be interested in. But as soon as I get really invested into what's going on there, they take us back to Canto Bite, which is just, you know, distracting and, and terrible on every level. And I'm, I'm going to skip through a lot of this detail just because I, I don't think it's very good. And it's, you know, people who have, who are listening to us have hopefully seen the movie, but you know, they, they, they jump to Cano Bight and they make the very questionable decision to park on a public beach for some reason. And even when they're warned about it, they do it anyways, which, again, is just a contrivance to get them thrown into jail later on in this movie. 
And then we're in a casino where our heroes are trying to locate this code breaker. And all I'm thinking is how do we not have a Lando Calrissian cameo in a casino scene, right? Like we'll, we'll get him in the next movie, but we, you know, at the time we didn't know what we were getting and we're in a casino and we don't have, we don't have Lando. And then we have BB eight who's relegated to a, a rolling slot machine. He's, we we see him being fed quarters by some cgi character and then he ends up spitting them out later and i'm just thinking what are they doing with this like bb8 was a great character in the first movie and i really liked him but in this movie they're they've either completely ignored him or decided he was a worthless uh, addition to this and so they 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 keep searching for this code breaker and and we uncover a weird sort of animal rights flavored subplot which actually turns into this this theme that this movie tries to tackle, which is about war profiteering, which is just a total 90 degree turn as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, this is a really weird angle that they that they take as as part of uh, this message that I feel like Ryan Johnson is trying to send. And I, I want to be clear, like, I think this is interesting. I think this is interesting content, but I don't think it's interesting for a Star Wars movie. It doesn't fit in here. I don't think that we're here to start thinking about why good guys may be bad and bad guys may be good i don't know like like are, are you getting this vibe at this point or is it is it not until later where you're kind of clobbered over the head with it no i i'm 100 percent getting it um i want to take a step back here bb8 was my absolute favorite of the new characters in the last movie and to see him relegated to a slot machine here is frustrating and no, I, I'm I'm clearly being hit over the head with with this with this animal rights and warmongering and and this that and the other thing and that, and that's fine. You, you can you can you can take a stand and you can you can have an opinion as a filmmaker and but it but it but it just misses right. And here's why it misses: it misses because Star Wars is an entire saga around wars. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like. Like, like there's, there's good guys and bad guys. And, and I think we, it, we, we understand that. Yeah. Like even the good guys are at war. I mean, it's just, we, we just happen to agree with their, their version of the war. Right. So, yeah. So it, this entire Canto bite scene is just a, it's just it's a terrible. Huge, it's, it's, it's really bad rewatching it this many years later is painful it's just i want to fast forward it and it it breaks my heart to say that about a star wars movie because there's i mean even the most boring of movies you know attack of the clones i, I don't fast forward through i i don't want to do that but this is just something that it's it's painful to get through knowing here's, how long here, this runtime is here's here's how bad it is you can you should fast forward over the Canto bite scenes to get back to the, I'm going to run out of gas scenes. That's how bad. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the Canto bite scenes don't pay off. Like they don't have anything. All they do is they take our heroes and they put them in a direction that, that ends up not being important to the rest of the story. Yeah. We get back to Octu where Luke is finally starting uh, to train Ray, a little bit more, we get to lesson number two, which again, I, I'm still not sure I know what lesson number one was, but lesson number two happens. And this is where we get some really, really interesting dialogue between the two of them where they start talking about Palpatine and, and Vader and, and all of this stuff. And 
you know, Luke makes these comments about, you know, the, the Jedi, the legacy of the Jedi is ultimately a failure. And, you know, at first I thought it was super negative and, and a little bit Debbie Downer and all that stuff. But then I started thinking about that. I'm, I'm wondering if you can separate your love for these movies for a minute. Does he have a point? Like, are all the Jedi just basically a bunch of fuck ups along the way, you know, from from Obi-Wan Kenobi, who didn't train Anakin properly to Anakin, who clearly was a massive failure. And even Yoda ran away for reasons unknown. Like, is the legacy of the Jedi, you know, a, a very negative one at this point? You know what? I think it can be from a certain point of view. Oh, <laughs> shut up, Obi-Wan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no, no, you and Luke are not wrong here, right? Um, Luke actually makes the point. He says something, and I'm going to misquote it, but he says something to the effect of the, the Jedi allowed Palpatine to rise and train Vader and basically take us down or, or something, something to that effect. Objectively, Luke is not wrong, right? He, he is, he is correct. I, I don't know that the rest of the galaxy necessarily looks at the Jedi that way, or at least through that lens. I think they look at all of the other things that they have done in terms of protecting the galaxy and this, that, and the other thing. But no, Luke, Luke is not wrong. And, and, and that's, that's, the, that's kind of the pisser of this movie, is that every once in a while you get a, you get a, a line or two of dialogue that comes by and you're like, oh yeah, you know what, that's, that's actually right. That actually, that, that actually makes some sense. But then you got to sit through 43 minutes of Canto Bite. Right. So. And then we get to the story that Luke tells about Ben Solo in the training temple. And this is our first exposure to what happened between Luke and Kylo, which was pretty interesting. And from, from Luke's perspective, he saw the, uh, the dark side of Kylo and, and tried to deal with it. But we didn't get too much more from that. Then, of course, we get back to the slowest car chase in human history where we get this medical frigate that is evacuated, but not entirely for some reason. I'm not really sure why they can't just evacuate the entire thing, because if it's going to run out of gas, there's no reason to keep one person on the ship. But I don't know. Just like, yeah, yeah go with it, them. It didn't make sense, but... Then we get back to Candle Bite with Finn and Rose, and they're in jail because they can't park. Uh, and, and one of the worst contrivances <laughs> that you've already mentioned, which is, you know, the, the whole reason for going there was to find uh, the uh, the guy with the red palm bloom, which I'm not still not even sure what the hell that means. Can they not just call it a fucking flower? And uh, Benicio del Toro just happens to be exactly what they need. And, uh, you know, this is this is just really frustrating and it's it's distracting. And it, it makes me want to just get back to Luke and everything. And yeah, so 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 the I guess one thing that we haven't chatted about at all is this kind of connection that Kylo and Ray have had. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am. I'm mildly no, I'm more than mildly intrigued by that connection, right? Because it is a connection that we have not seen thus far in the Star Wars universe. They are able to uh, communicate on a different level. They can almost see one another. They can almost feel one another. In fact, there's a there's a scene, and I think it's before this, where Ray is like in the in the surf and gets wet 
and then like Kylo's glove is wet. And so they can, it, you know, again, in, in knowing what we know, it, it's the beginning of the dyad, right. Where they can kind mm-hmm. of pass stuff back and forth. So I'm, so I'm mildly intrigued by that. Um, but it's just so overwhelmed by fucking garbage yeah. that, that I almost forget about it. You know, it's hard to keep focus on it because they keep shifting back and forth between all this Canto bite stuff and, uh, and the slow paced space chase. And, and then eventually some of this stuff on Octu. but yeah, I, I agree. Like it's, it's distracting for sure. Uh, and, and so at this point, you know, Rose and Finn eventually end up escaping jail and they get off the planet. They're rescued by DJ who, who whisks them away from this, this awful, awful place. And uh, we come back and, and Luke attempts to reconnect with the force to connect with Leia, which, you know, unfortunately doesn't go anywhere. And then we see in this moment sort of what you just described, which I did kind of pass over a little bit. We see a shirtless version of Kylo confront Ray and, and tell her a very different story of what happened between him and Luke back then. And, and Ray becomes very conflicted. And <laughs> my notes here say Ray goes for a walk and finds a giant butthole right in the ground and she falls through it into the water. And, and now we get our scene where uh, it, it mirrors the Dagobah <laughs> scene from Empire Strikes Back. And and she's in front of all these mirrors and she snaps and there's this stuff and it's kind of trippy. But I don't know, for me, it has no payoff whatsoever. I, th- I think what it's supposed to tell us is that this nagging question that we have this whole time, which is who are her parents? And the answer that they're telling us at this moment of the film is that they're nobody, right? Because she's saying, show me my parents, show me my parents. And her reflection is nothing or the reflection is just her. And I don't know. I mean, I guess at this time I'm interested in who her parents are, but I, there's so much else going on right now that I'm not really focusing on that. This scene was really cool. The, the, uh, visually, the visual, yes. the, yeah, visually the, the, um, describing it as the butthole is perfect. Uh, I mean, it, it just, was, it, it was just, a giant it, butthole yeah, right it, in the ground. <laughs> It was, and, and everything, and everything that happened once she got down into the butthole was was really interesting, but it was supremely disappointing. Yeah, right. It was. It, it was went visually, nowhere. It was. It went literally nowhere. And again, I I think this this scene right here is probably the, the biggest failure is the wrong word, but the this scene right here is where things would have been most different if we had a through line and we knew where we were going from all three movies. This scene right here, this is the scene where you would have said, right? If you knew, Mm -hmm. oh, you're a Palpatine or you're a Skywalker or you're a Kenobi or whatever the fuck they would have come up with versus, yeah, you know, you're just like your parents were drunks and whatever, right? This, This scene right here, really could have had some gravitas and and because i think ultimately because they didn't know where they were going we were let it was just a complete letdown it was like, yeah. oh okay there's there's ray great yeah great your your parents are nobody yeah okay cool well to me this was ryan johnson's middle finger to jj abrams to be honest because jj set up this whole mystery box again we use that term a lot but that's that's jj's specialty right like he had this whole mystery box about 
who were Ray's parents and what was her lineage and why was she strong with the force and all this. And this is Ryan Johnson's way of saying she's nobody like stop worrying about it. It's not a big deal. And that's, I, I, I guess that's fine. I, I guess. Right. But, but we knew that wasn't the case with Ray, right? Everything we knew about Ray, we knew she wasn't nobody. Right. We didn't know who she, and I'm not even suggesting she had to be a Palpatine or a Skywalker or this or that. Like, but we knew she wasn't just nobody. We knew she wasn't just the little slave kid that we were introduced to and then never came back to again. Right. Like, we, like yeah. she was, she was somebody. I think if it was up to Ryan Johnson, he would have kept it going that way. If he'd have been directing the third movie, I don't think we would have had a reveal that she was a Palpatine. I I, I don't think so. You think she would have been? You think she would have been nobody, and they would have come back to the to the little stable kids? I think that very possibly. Yeah, I think that he would have. He was clearly trying to challenge everything that we thought we really wanted out of a Star Wars movie. I'm not saying that was the right decision because it wasn't, in my opinion. But I think that's the direction he decided to go with it. And well, he would have know, continued and, and, it. Yeah. And, and I guess in retrospect, you're probably right, especially based on the last, the very last scene of this movie where you see the little stable kid, which we, again, never come back to because JJ is sure. like, fuck you. That's ridiculous. But, but you may be right. And I guess I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I like the fact that that quote anybody can be the most powerful Jedi in the universe versus having some family lineage. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I will never know. I'm, I'm not sure what I feel about that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, that's hmm, tough. I don't know if I would have had a problem with it or not, but we'll never know because you know, right. JJ yeah. very clearly said, uh, okay, so our parents are nobody, but our grandparents are somebody, you know, like it's <laughs> right <laughs> in, a, in a very sort right. of cheeky way is like, well, I'll find a way around this. So at this point, Ray confronts Luke and we, we get what we uh, understand to be the final truth of what happened between him and Kylo, which is basically Luke saw the dark side in Kylo and had a moment where he decided he needed to destroy Kylo because there was no way to control that or cure that from him. And in the moment where he was at his most weak, Kylo wakes up and sees Luke with this lightsaber standing over him and and you know decides to defend himself rightfully so i mean the way they wrote luke's character luke was 100 in the wrong i mean it was it was that's maybe my biggest beef with luke's character in this movie is that they basically set him up to murder his nephew because he didn't think he could help train him or keep him away from the dark side and i mean that's that's pretty baffling to me at this point so it, it it is i agree with you i guess the the counterpoint that i would offer would be you know luke knows his lineage he knows he comes from vader at this point vader is still the you know the one he's still the neo of the star wars universe and if, I don't know, if, if Luke sees some big bad evil in Kylo or in Ben at that point, does he need to snuff it out? I, I, again, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's I, tough. I guess I can, 
it is. It is. I, I guess I, I would have preferred. I, I, ultimately, I'm agreeing with you. I, I, I don't like the path that Luke chose, but I can. I don't want to say I can understand it because it's kind of fucking cold blooded murder of your nephew, right? But yeah. um, love you, Everett. Um, <laughs> um, but but um, it's not the direction Charlie. you wanted to see right. the character go. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll say this. It's not my least favorite decision that Luke has made in this movie. How about that? That's fair. It, it may be the most non-Luke decision that I've seen, but it's it's something that I can I can go with if they create a good narrative around it. That right. that that part I'm not sure if they did to my satisfaction, but yeah, no, they they spent too much time in fucking Canto Bight and gas stations. Yeah, exactly. So Ray gets pissed and and she leaves. She's out. She's going to try to convince Kylo to come back to the light side and Luke decides to go up and destroy the ancient Jedi texts because I, I don't know why. I, I don't know what purpose that serves at this point because him and those texts are the only things on that island besides those fucking porgs. And uh, if anything, I think it's just there to get the cameo that I was really hoping for since before this movie uh, got put together which is of master yoda and that to me was a great moment and you know you hit on something earlier when i said that the luke r2 moment was the best and it's because it was from the original trilogy like this is probably the second best mo moment of the movie for me and it's because it's we have yoda back and and he's you know he's a practical which i really like although he did look a little weird it, it, there was something that didn't look practical about him but, uh, you know, Yoda basically denounces the ancient Jedi texts and, you know, Luke admits that he never read them. So I don't know. At this point, why the fuck are they even here? Why are we even talking about Jedi texts? And, and we know that they're never going to come up again. So I guess maybe I have to ask, why are we introducing such a cool idea like this and never paying it off? I don't know. I think this is probably because this is Ryan's movie and not JJ's movie. If I had to guess, you know, I, I think we've, we've always, if you're a star Wars nerd, you've always heard about the, you know, the, the, the book of the wills or whatever it was called. And you've always heard about the, yeah. you know, this, this kind of, I think this, this was probably a nod to us. It was probably a nod to uh, the, the kind of pre canon stuff right uh, but but i don't know I, because it it, do, it it really doesn't pay off i'm i i love this scene i love the yeah. fact that we get yoda i love the fact that that yoda even at this point continues to teach luke continues to be a jedi more of a jedi master than luke ever is yeah. you know i mean i mean th th this is clearly quote jedi master luke but he's still in my mind he's still learning shit even yeah. in, at this in this movie and and i like the fact that jedi that luke that yoda is not quote tied to the jedi teachings right he's just like yeah there's fucking books right like just yeah. let him like let him go that's ryan johnson again though like that's well, that influence yeah. that's that kill the past like the past doesn't matter kind of thing which yeah, I feel like you're either on board with or you're not right you're either immediately sort of repulsed by that idea because 
We all love the past. We as fanboys, we love the past. That's why we're here watching these movies because the past sort right. of made that for us. But now Ryan Johnson's saying the past doesn't matter. And, and maybe thematically, that's one of the things subconsciously that I can't get past with this movie is because he's trying to burn down you know, the, the, he's not trying to burn it down, but I mean, he's, he's trying to sort of rewrite the legacy of star Wars. And well, I'm funny. not he, sure he, how he, I feel he, about that. He, he actually in this scene right here, he actually is trying to burn it down. Like he's literally yeah. burning it yeah. down in this case. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds on, on one hand, I, I let me, I'll go on record. I applaud ryan johnson for the choices or the or the 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 um the the risks that he took here i i do absolutely i, I don't necessarily i don't necessarily agree with all of them but i absolutely applaud him yeah. for, for making those and for sticking to his guns again whether i agree with them or not is an is another story but but i absolutely applaud him for being a like a filmmaker and, and being like, Hey, this is the, this is my line in the sand and I'm going to, and I'm yeah. going to stick with it. And, and I can make an argument that some of his choices that he made are, are, are the right choices. You know, I, I will argue to the death about against Canto bite and running out of gas, but, yeah. but, but some of the treatments of, <clears throat> of the way Ray looks at the force, the way Finn looks at the force, the way Luke looks at the force, mm-hmm. I, I can get behind some of that stuff. So, yeah. So Ray makes her way to Kylo eventually in his ship from the Falcon. And, and uh, unsurprisingly, he takes her captive to present her to Snoke. And this is where I start getting some really heavy Return of the Jedi vibes. Finn and Rose and DJ make their way to the same ship in order to disable the light speed tracker. And, and Poe is creating mutiny against Holdo back with the resistance. And then we get another Spaceballs like moment where a ship that looks like an iron is revealed to be in actual iron so i don't know hail president Scrooge, because that's so dumb the worst fucking thing ever it's it's, it's so bad the, it's it is it, it is one two three four five that's yeah. the same combination <laughs> yes. it, it's it's fucking awful it's, it's almost that, like yeah, taking our favorite droid and putting a trash can on his head just to make him undercover, which is exactly what they do in the next scene with BB eight. And then, uh, (laughs) and then, you know, we, we come back to Ray and Kylo. This is where I'm going to start to to fast forward a little bit because we are bouncing so quickly between these scenes. Uh, Ray and Kylo are, are sharing dialogue that almost feels exactly lifted from return of the Jedi when they're traveling up this elevator to get the Snoke, And, you know, the back and forth feels exactly like, those scenes where Luke meets the emperor, you know, while the heroes are trying to take down the shield generator, Leia shows up, she wakes up from her coma and stuns Poe, which I thought was a really interesting uh, and intriguing moment. And we're going to come back to that and find out why that is. And then DJ uh, Benicio del Toro's character betrays Rose and Finn. And we see the return of captain Phasma, which, you know, I don't know. Did we both totally forget about Phasma up to this point? Because this is the first we've seen her and she was, uh, you know, she was not very involved in the first movie. And this is, I don't know, where are we? Almost to the two hour mark. We haven't even seen her in this one yet. Yeah. Phasma was an awesome toy coming up to the first movie. 
and then she did nothing in that first movie and then she shows up two hours into this movie and i'm just like yeah okay there's spasm like doesn't matter no it, it, it just doesn't yeah it just doesn't matter so the transports are boarded and holdo stays back to sacrifice herself which you know we'll talk about later i think there's a bit of a thematic conflict here and then snoke finally meets Rey and starts torturing her much like Palpatine did on the second Death Star again with some very similar dialogue and snork snork (laughs) snork might as well be fucking snork please please leave that in 100% (laughs) I want to edit that out but I kind of feel like I shouldn't Snoke orders Kylo to kill Rey but instead in a rather surprising move uh, he ignites Luke's lightsaber by Snoke's side and severs him in half and we then get the arguably the coolest fight scene in the entire sequel trilogy as Ray and Kylo team up to demolish these Praetorian guards, which don't do anything until this moment. And, and this is really, truly a great action scene and, and a fantastic fight scene that makes me think, geez, I wish I had a lot more of this in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is clearly, I mean, without a doubt, the best however long it is, three minutes, four minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is. It's the best seven minutes of the movie. It is, I guess, in my mind, I've been waiting for Kylo and Ray to be allies. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite know how we were going to get here, but this is it, right? Yeah. Like Kylo has turned on his quote master. He has killed his master. In my mind at this point, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, Kylo's come to the light. He he's a good guy now. Yeah. He's not, but he's he's come to the good side. And he's going to fight with Rey, who we love, right? Right. And to to see them back to back is just I mean it's just tremendous. It um it, it, fast forward 20 years it, it it's it's very reminiscent of when Tony Stark and Pepper Potts come back to back in Endgame, you know they're, they're fighting together. They're they are they're yeah, and, and it's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome action scene. These Praetorian guards, which we don't know who the fuck they are or what they do, but they're clearly badasses. Just to see Kylo and Rey take them down is it's just it's it's the best visually in the movie. It's the best action scene in the movie. It's it, again, it's 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 it is the best scene in the movie, bar none. Period. Paragraph. End of story. Yeah. So they defeat them, and we're led to believe that Kylo is now Ben Solo again, and and they are going to find some sort of common ground. And then, of course, Kylo starts proposing to Ray that they join forces to start a new order, which is where things start to break apart again. And you know, the mystery of Ray's lineage which was one of the biggest questions coming into this movie is unraveled as Kylo basically says that they're nobody and whether or not that's true at this point, I don't think I believed necessarily that that was the truth. I I certainly realized that there was a lot of wiggle room for rewriting that if they decided they didn't want to do that, but it was sort of an interesting decision to make, but it didn't really detract from, you know, where we were going in this movie at this point. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't believe Kylo at this point, and I don't know if it was. Yeah. I thought he was. If if I thought he was lying, or I thought he didn't know 
but at this point watching this movie when kylo says your parents are nothing i was just like oh he's wrong or oh he's lying yeah i i i I still thought ray was somebody yep agreed and then we get back to holdo and she sees the transport ships taking fire so she takes this cruiser that she stayed back on and aims it at the new order and and tears the ship in half with a final light speed jump and a really breathtakingly beautiful shot which was a really cool moment and and this move seemingly causes enough chaos to allow finn and rose who are on the same ship to break free and and fight for their lives in which finn squares off against phasma for the last time with the help of bb8 and an atst or something i I don't know i i need tylenol at this point because this this whole scene is kind of messy and i don't even really it's it's yeah it's i'm not gonna comment it's dumb it's explosions it's at, at this point we're so i mean we're like two hours into the movie at this point and right now we're just like we're blowing shit up yeah around characters that we sort of know and sort of care about right there's this whole like pseudo execution scene where we're supposed to care about finn and rose where i don't know about you but i don't give a single fuck about rose at this point no i I just i just don't and even finn i loved finn in the first movie agreed point he's a at this point, he's a defector that I, I just don't care about. No. Like, bye-bye. If, if there's one so. disservice this movie does, it has erased all the goodwill that J.J. created with the new characters in the last movie. Yeah. I loved I loved Ray. I loved Poe. I loved Finn. I don't love any of them in this movie. And that's the biggest knock that you can give this because, you know, this this whole sequel trilogy is supposed to focus on those three characters and they've effectively ruined all three of them. In yeah, this movie. They, yeah, they, they, yeah. They've completely ignored them. And I just, I don't care whether they'll live or die with the exception of Ray. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. It's terrible. So Phasma is dispatched relatively easily after being called Chrome dome. Like seriously, I can't even make that up. Like did Schwarzenegger do the dialogue for this movie? I, I don't you know. Cr- cr- Chrome dome. Come on, man. Yeah confirming my boba fett comparison from the last movie like just ridiculously uh cool in appearance but ultimately worthless in the long run i i I did i did go back after our last episode where you told me about her character in game of thrones i did go back and watch some clips on youtube yes she's a badass on game of thrones yes she Uh, is and she I'm, is. She is. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to correct what I was trying to say last time, because I was what I was trying to what I was trying to pass on about her is that she had the right physicality for the role. That was the word that escaped me a lot last time. But she she does have the right physicality in the sense that she could go toe to toe with any man, and it would be a very believable scene. And she definitely did that in Game of Thrones. And and that's what breaks my heart about the way that she was used in this movie, because not only was she covered up from head to toe, they didn't give her anything to do. And it was it was insanely yeah, disappointing. She, she I mean, she she is this trilogy's Bubba. One hundred percent. So our heroes escape the reach of the First Order and and our movie's over. And and that's great. Well, I, I mean, no, not really. But I mean, but it could be. But no, we've got 30 more goddamn minutes in this movie. I'm, but I mean, this movie could essentially be over at this point. But then we realize we have no finale with Luke Skywalker and all those cool trailer shots and the snow planet. Uh, you know, what happened to those? So I don't know. I'm feeling the burn at this point, but I'm trying to plow through. And then 
you know, Kylo assumes supreme leadership. I guess I, I passed over the fact that him and Ray fought over the lightsaber that uh, was hers and uh, originally Luke's and it, it got destroyed. It got broken in half and they both passed out and, and she wakes up first and escapes and, and he gets woken up by Hux eventually. And Kylo assumes supreme leadership and we see our heroes on a planet that looks like Hoth and smells like Hoth, but apparently is not Hoth, but a former rebel base called Crate, where Finn and Rose meet back up with the rest of the resistance. So everybody escaped in transport ships and made their way to Crate, which was Holdo's plan the whole time that for some reason she couldn't tell anybody. And that's where uh, that's where Finn and uh, Rose made their way back to as well. And to be honest, like I very much enjoy the aesthetic of Crate. Like I think it looks beautiful. And even though it sort of feels like an Empire knockoff because it's a big white planet, it is salt instead of snow with this really cool red soil or whatever it is underneath. And I, I think it looks beautiful. And, and the space battles or the space battles, but the battles that we see on this planet with the spaceships end up being really, really gorgeous. And I'm I'm a big fan of those. A lot of what we see visually on this planet if not content-wise. But our heroes attempt to send out a message to anyone who is friends with the Resistance, but we're not going to get anything there, which is pretty disappointing. Uh, Finn identifies by looking out the window that there's a battering ram cannon, which apparently is Death Star tech capable and portable, and they figure out that the only way that they can save themselves from, from being obliterated is to destroy this. So these, these soldiers line up in a very Empire Strikes Back-like fashion, to stand their ground against the First Order. And, and Finn and Rose, with a handful of other rebels, board a bunch of, I don't know, 88 Oldsmobiles with wings and try to defend their base, but are immediately outmanned. I mean, I, I don't know. Aside from the, the tragedy of, of these, these ships that they're in, this is a really good-looking scene, right? Like, are you on board visually like I am at this point? Yes. I, yeah. This is Empire. This is Hoth right it's just it just it's not at the beginning of the movie it's at the end right confusing um, it is at but this nice. point i'm but but nice at this point i'm two and a half hours into a movie that i'm 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 checked out of right at this point i'm 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 hoping for something that's going to give me some star wars vibe yeah and this and this does it, it gives me something. And in fact, we're gonna get to. So I loved I loved the scene with Kylo and and Ray and the Praetorian Guard. I take that back. I think my favorite scene is actually still coming up in retrospect. Mm -hmm. But but at this point in the movie, I'm 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 done. I'm I'm checked out. I'm just like yeah. Okay, this movie sucks, but give give me something. Yeah. And I I get. I get one or two more things. Ultimately, I do like crate. I do like the fact that it's not snow. I like that. I, I, I tell you what, I love. I love the fact that when you hit when you hit the white salt of crate with either your foot or a blast or whatever, it becomes kind of blood red. That leads to some absolutely amazing visuals during this last battle. It's a it's awesome. Here, here's one thing that I, as I was re-watching it, <clears throat> so there was 13 ships that went out during this last assault. I think I counted eight of them that got shot down. 
So eight out of 13 got shot down. So that leaves, you know, Finn and Rose and Poe. So that's right. There, there's not many left here. Here, I guess here's what I'm getting at. At the end of this movie, there's almost zero resistance left. Like it's they literally all of them escape on one ship, the mm-hmm. Falcon. Right. I mean, there there's literally what 13 rebels left, 12, 15, whatever the number is. Yeah. There's there's almost nobody left, and so. Like, on one hand, that's admirable. On the other hand, it's like, okay, okay like, you, you're really going to rebuild the, the resistance from this, but that's another story for another movie. But I, I, I am really taken aback by how few rebels or resistance there are left at this point. Yeah, right. I think we're led to believe that there are more foot soldiers still on the ground because they only had so many of those Oldsmobiles, we'll call for lack of a better term. No, no, no. You're right. No, no. You're right. There's there's only 13 ships, but no. But what I'm talking about is at the end, at the very end of the movie, like yeah. everybody is on the Falcon. Right. Every, like yeah. that. That can't it. hold that many people. Yeah, right. that's true. Exactly. So we have, to your point, we have all of those ships out there, and then right before Rose becomes Tie Fodder, we'll call it, uh, Chewing the Falcon arrived to save the day, and once again pulls me right out of my seat, like the same sort of vibes that I got from force awakens when the Falcon hit the sky for the first time. And at this point, I don't care that the ship is going to impractically hurl itself through caverns at top speeds without crashing. I'm loving every second of this and and wishing that the Falcon would get more involved. And I even love the really cheesy quote from Finn when he's like, Oh yeah, they hate that ship. You know, like I, I just, I'm loving every minute of that. The Falcon totally steals this scene. 100%. 100%. And I, I will go so far as to say the Millennium Falcon is my favorite, quote, character in these first two movies. Yeah. With, with, without exception. Right. It's just the one that comes in, kicks ass, and leaves. You know, it's the Brock Lesnar yeah. of uh, of, yes. of ships in, in this movie, right? It, it just it does such a great job. But we have our speeders, and they're getting closer to this cannon, and, and Poe reaches a, a, a miniature character arc, I guess we'll say, when he decides to call for the retreat, which he should have considered at the beginning of the first act. Uh, but Finn disobeys him and continues on to sacrifice himself by crashing into the cannon, but never gets there as Rose mysteriously sideswipes him at the last second. And I, I don't know, like, this is where I, I have my issue thematically because, you know, a couple minutes ago, we said it was okay for Holdo to sacrifice herself, but now we're getting this dialogue from from Rose about we don't fight what we hate, we save what we love. And, and that's where I sort of come in with the commentary that you brought in earlier, which is, wait, this is the war part of Star Wars. Isn't it okay to fight what you hate in this movie? And, and why is it okay that Holdo can carve a new asshole in the First Order Destroyer, but, but Finn was labeled a dummy for... <laughs> for for that like i don't know like am i missing something or is this just a a very different sort of approach over the last couple minutes no it it is it's remarkably inconsistent right we're we're okay with holdos we're not okay with finns because finn is a main character and holdo has purple hair right i mean it's just it's just it's just that simple right we we don't give a fuck about holdo because she's brand new and we care about Finn because he's two movies old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just 
it's yeah, it's just it's just inconsistent. And again, that's not to take away anything from what Holdo did because it was awesome. It was in the, it was one of the best visuals of the entire movie. I, I think they were kind of going for a Finn Rose love story here, which A, nobody wanted, B, nobody cared about, C, they never followed up on. But that yeah. I, it feels like that's what they were doing here. Um, it's hard to tell, really. I, I don't know what they were doing with that. Because, yeah, obviously, at the end of that scene, she kisses him. And we're still trying to figure out if there's a, a love angle between him and Ray, right? Because there was clearly that interest in the first movie, but they never really followed up. Well, they haven't seen each other in this movie. So it's it's hard to tell. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it, it doesn't – I'm confused, and I'm not sure I'm getting – what they're trying to tell me out of this you know when when all seems it's it's most bleak and leia starts to concede defeat we have this familiar silhouette emerge from the shadows of the caves and it's a it's a newly manicured luke skywalker uh, we get what will be the only moment between mark hamill and carrie fisher in this entire trilogy and and easily the most heartfelt and genuine scene of this movie i think and it's really sweet i i really like it it's, it's not as long, it's not as much as I want, but to see him with his sister, with his on-screen sister for the first time in, you know, many decades, I, it works for me. Like, I, I like what's going on here when Leia essentially forgives Luke for what happened with Ben and Luke tells her no one has ever really gone and then he hands her Han's dice from the Falcon. I just, I, I think it's a great moment. And, I, and for that reason, and that reason alone, I'm glad they didn't kill her back when, you know, she had the opportunity to die. I, I'm glad that they kept her alive for this scene because it, it meant something to me, I think. You're right. This scene is, quote, all the feels. It is Luke and Leia back on screen together. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure, like, which version of Luke we, we're seeing. I, di- I did notice that he is, you know, shaved and 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 haircutted oh, yeah. and, and what we'll have you. I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I noticed that. I, I didn't quite I, I didn't realize what that meant at, at this point. But I'm but I'm glad they're sharing the screen together. Uh, it's it is um it feels good to see Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill on the screen again for one yep. last time. Yep, absolutely. And then we get a really quick somewhat unsatisfying moment between Luke and 3PO as he makes his way out to have his final showdown with Kylo. And I, I say unsatisfying only because I was really touched by that moment. And I, I suddenly felt myself, you know, longing for a little bit more of, of uh, 3PO and Luke. I, I don't know why, because I think that's kind of where it all started uh, a little bit because, you know, when Luke meets them both in the first trilogy, like he's, he's more in tune with, with 3PO, I think there's a lot more dialogue and there's a, a lot more of a bond there. So I'm, I, I find myself kind of wishing that they could have done more with that. But, you know, Luke walks out to face down his nephew when Kylo unleashes holy hell with every single weapon in the First Order uh, at his disposal emptied on the Jedi Master. And much to everyone's surprise, Luke emerges with uh, not so much as a scratch. Kylo is extremely upset about this flies down to meet Luke. And we start to get the sense that maybe something is not quite right here. And then back in the caves, our heroes figure out that Luke is causing the distraction that will enable them to light the spark that will blah, 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 blah. Seriously, this phrase of the rebellion, all that crap. They, they definitely say that too much in this movie. 
And then Chewie and Ray and the Falcon find their way to the back of these caves where they, where Ray gets to use her powers to lift rocks, which was the joke in the, in the front half of this movie. And then we come back to Kylo and Luke and they have this pseudo lightsaber fight, though their blades never actually connect. And, and Luke says that the rebellion is reborn today, which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it was, it was kind of a cool moment. And, you know, Ray helps her friends escape through the tunnels and, and everyone gets away in the Falcon and, and Ray and Finn share this really warm embrace, which again, leads me to believe that there's a love angle that they were really heavily considering to pursue. But, you know, I think we get to this really great moment. And again, the visuals in this moment are so good. There's a scene, right. You know, that I kind of skipped over where Luke is when he first walks out to, to face the first order, you know, there's this silhouetted scene where it shows his back and it shows all these um, at ats in the foreground and things like that. And it's just a really, really great scene. And so Kylo and Luke, they go at it and, and Kylo rages at Luke with all his might and, and swings at him as hard as he possibly can, only to see his blade go right through his former master. And it's at this moment that Kylo discovers the truth that Luke was never actually there to begin with, but he's instead a some sort of force apparition. And, you know, we had our hints up to this point that this was the case, like Luke left no footprints in the salt, right, which Kylo very much did. So if you go back and watch that, you'll see the difference. You'll see Luke with his blue lightsaber, which was technically destroyed earlier, although I guess technically it could have been another one. His appearance was much different. He was shaved and had shorter, darker hair. So, you know, and I don't think it was really likely that he would have had time to stop at an intergalactic great clips on the way to uh, face off against his nephew. And then, of course, Poe drops this line earlier where he says, you know, there has to be a way out of here. How did Luke get in here? So there's a lot of really good uh, tip offs to that. But we get uh, we get the ultimate reveal, which is the scene of Luke back on Octu, where he collapses out of exhaustion because he was he was projecting himself out to crate in order to let the resistance get an opportunity to escape. And he pulls himself back up just long enough to see those binary suns one last time that sort of bookends his on-screen adventure, you know, with us before he ultimately fades away. And, and I guess this leads me to my million dollar question. Like, how do we feel about Ryan Johnson killing Luke Skywalker? I was gutted. Yeah. To see Luke's, I was gutted to see Luke Skywalker die. I, I didn't think it was earned. I didn't think that I had seen anything that would lead me to believe that Luke Skywalker should die. You know, if if you're going to tell me that the exertion of, of projecting yourself across the galaxy is enough to kill you. uh, Okay. Fine. Like, okay. I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the rules or the laws of the sky, the Skywalker or the Star Wars universe. To be fair, they, they did drop that line earlier because when Ray and Kylo were, were FaceTiming or whatever it was that they were doing earlier, one of Kylo's first lines was, you can't be doing this yourself. The effort would kill you. And, and we find out later that it was Snoke that was, that was enabling all that to happen. So... I think they tipped their hat a little bit to the fact that it's, it's, you know, that, that, that kind of thing is certainly prevalent and, and that's what. Oh, ends up okay. Yeah. You're right. Uh, yes, you're right. They, they did. What we saw wasn't enough 
to warrant the death of the greatest Jedi that we have ever seen mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe. That said, I'm not necessarily opposed to Luke Skywalker dying. I, I guess I guess what irks me is I'm even going to rethink what I was going to say. I was going to say, is is it high enough stakes for for Luke to quote sacrifice himself? I suppose it is, right? I, I suppose there's really only a handful of resistance left, and his sister being one of them, right? I, I suppose if there's any reason to sacrifice yourself, you know, two dozen resistance would be would be a, would be a reason to do it. Your, your sister being one of them, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't feel earned to me, and I and I can't describe it any any better than that. And I realize that's kind of a cop out, but I, I, I well, just I can't. Yeah. Let me let me help you try, and you tell me if this is kind of what you're trying to get at. I feel like one of the reasons this didn't feel earned is because he wasn't even there, right? Like it was a forced effort. It was he projected himself, right? Like if somehow he had gotten off his ass and gotten off that Island and actually made his way to crate and taken a lightsaber right to the jugular, like Ben Kenobi did in a new hope, which is, is I kind of what they feel like they were going for there. I think it would have been more earned, right? Because I don't know something from my perspective, it just feels really claustrophobic that he spent that entire movie on that planet and that he never got off and he never tried to do anything. And the fact that he just sort of did it by projecting himself was really my hangup, I think, when I looked at that. I'm like, I could have gone with it a lot more if he'd actually showed up and looked just as disheveled, but walked out there. Obviously, he probably couldn't have taken all those blasters and everything. But if they would have written it in a different way, that he would have actually faced off with Kylo and then he would have sacrificed himself in a very Ben Kenobi-like way. I don't know. It would have, to me, I think it would have felt more earned. But this way, it just seems like, he never got off that planet and I don't know why, but that bothers me. It just, it, it sucks. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, the, the bigger thing that bothers me about Luke and Luke's entire portrayal in this movie is Luke in this movie gave up. He, he, he tapped out. He was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, 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 I lost. I'm a loser. I'm, I'm out. Exactly. And while I can appreciate having those feelings, because let's be honest, we all have those feelings in life, right? Like I suck. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not good enough provider, whatever it is, right? That's not Luke Skywalker. Right. That's not the Luke Skywalker that we know. I'm not suggesting he's unfallible. Clearly, I'm not suggesting he is perfect. But he's but he's not one to give up, and yep. that's what he did. And all we know of Luke Skywalker is the 1983 Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, and then we see him here, where he's he's given up. Yeah, and, it's like and, what happened. Yeah, it's like yes, exactly. And again, I understand that there's time has happened and things have happened, but we're never given that. So it's a it's a pretty big leap between Jedi Knight, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, and 
I'm a pussy. I'm going to drink green milk out of a tit. Like that's that, that, <laughs> right. That, that, yeah. Like, but, but that's, that's the leap we're being asked to make. Yeah. And it's hard. Between, it, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And, and again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm being kind of comedic, but, but that's the leap we're trying to make and, yeah. and I can't make it. That's my problem. Right. I think I'm with you on that one. I, that makes total sense to me. We see our heroes get on the Falcon and escape. And we see a nice reunion between Leia and Chewie. But we also see Poe and Ray meet for the first time. And it occurred to me as I was rewatching this recently, I keep forgetting that this is the first time. We're at the end of the second movie. And if they are part of the new holy trinity of new characters. They've never, they've never met. They had never met before. And that to me was really crazy. And I don't know about you, but I got a little bit of a love triangle vibe when she's like, oh, you're Poe. And and he's like, oh, yeah, you're Ray. And then, I don't know, like the way she looked at him, I thought, oh, they're setting something up for for the next movie, which, of course, we don't get. And, and I got to be honest, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't I think the one thing that we didn't get that I'm OK with is any kind of a love story between the new characters, because it just didn't there was no room for it. It, it would have been too much to cram in an already jam packed finale, which, of course, we'll get to in our next podcast. Well, well, the only the only love triangle we got was Kylo and Ray, which that was terrible too. But you're right, we'll get there. Yeah, it's hard to even say that that was a love triangle, but that was that was something that was really weird and creepy and unexpected. So we see in a in a quick shot that Ray has has nicked this sacred Jedi text, which was interesting again because we get zero payoff with those, and I, I guess that's just a. We're, we're going to see this. We're going to review this next movie. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to basically see a, an enormous amount of course correction that has been done from uh, Ryan Johnson's movie to J.J. Abrams' next sequel. And, and that's going to be one of them. We just, the, the, the sacred texts are essentially ignored. Leia and Ray share a nice moment where they discuss Luke and, and Leia tells her, you know, we have everything we need. But instead of cutting to the Star Wars theme and the end credits, which is, absolutely what they could have and probably should have done here we get a curious end shot of the the kids that we met back on canto bite that you've referenced a couple times with uh one of them pulling a broom into his hands using the force and you know i don't know is this where we're supposed to think that the story is going or are, are we introducing yet more characters in a, in a very bloated storyline i mean is harry potter now star wars canon i don't know because that's kind of what it feels like when i'm watching this yeah at the end of this movie, absolutely, we are meant to believe that these little fucking kids are like the the future of the the re, the rebellion, the resistance, the whatever. The Jedi, yes, maybe the the Jedi, right? Yeah, no, you're right, the Jedi, because he he pulls the broom and it comes to him and blah blah blah. We are one hundred percent meant to believe that these kids are the future. And, and I, and like, I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I don't It's care. not their fault. It's just it's, a stupid it, no, story not, no, at this it, point. No, no, it's not their fault, but I don't care because like, I, I've got no reason, like in the framework of a movie, I've got no reason to care about these kids. Right. They're, they're, they're just afterthoughts. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no reason for me to care about them. You're right. We should have ended the movie one scene prior to this. We never should have got this scene with yeah. these kids. Well, it's it's continuing the theme of having a very inconsistent theme. 
in my opinion, right? Because right. like Ryan Johnson is making a very different direction from what JJ did. And now he's introducing these kids. And then of course, JJ will come back in and basically just ignore all of that. And there's just, there's just a lot of back and forth that doesn't seem to make sense. And maybe Ryan Johnson, you know, he's allegedly still signed on for three more star Wars movies, you know, another trilogy that will be separate from this particular saga. Maybe this is him you know, this is what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to tell that story. I mean, I don't really know. It's, it's irrelevant. It just seems like they could have cut this. It was completely worthless at this point, but from there we get to our end credits and, and we have the end of our movie. And, and that is essentially the last Jedi by Ryan Johnson. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I think I know the answer to some of these or most of these. So, so how, how did you like this movie? Ultimately, like, did you is this a is it a recommendable movie did you like this movie did you not like it what like what do you just like give me give me one sentence did you like this movie initially my first impression was that i thought it was brave for taking the chances that it did but ultimately it left me incredibly unsatisfied and disappointed with the way they handled the legacy of luke skywalker I think that's the best way I can sum that okay, up in no, one sentence. That that is that's that's very fair. I remember walking out of this movie that night, and and I hate to say it, but I do not remember the conversation that you and I had that night. I remember very vividly the night we the conversation we had of the Force Awaken. Same. I don't I don't remember this night. I remember like trying to defend this movie yes very much like like try like being like oh it was it was okay or here's where they're gonna do or here's what they're gonna go you know i remember and then again not to you specifically but just in general i remember trying to defend this movie several years later i cannot defend this movie it is a it's a bad it's a bad movie it's a bad entry that's not to say that there wasn't some good choices made that what that's not to say that there aren't some good scenes, but in the, in the lexicon of the, the, the certainly of the nine Skywalker movies, I cannot defend this movie. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think this one is the, maybe the most disappointing because the force awakens had me on such a high and I was, I was so hoping that it would continue to go this way. And this one took such a different direction. And, you know, Ryan Johnson had some very bold choices and I, I really respect him for doing what he did. And I think that that was my biggest compliment when I got finished watching this movie was nothing that I expected to happen happened. Nothing that I could have possibly predicted happened. Everything was extremely different. And, and at first I thought that was a really good thing. And now that I have the opportunity to reflect on that, four years later, I'm looking at this movie and thinking, yeah, but it's terrible. And it's very, maybe it's not terrible. It's not a terribly made movie, but it's terribly unsatisfying. And there are some really questionable choices that from a Star Wars fan perspective, I just, I can't get behind. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So, so I get, I get a couple of like kind of final questions to, to wrap up this discussion. So at this point, after this movie, how are you feeling about Luke Skywalker? 
Man. Are, are you like, again, go back a few years. This is the end of Luke Skywalker as we know him. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Luke Skywalker? I mean, it's it's kind of sad because I felt like it did not end on a high note for me. I will say that uh, his sacrifice in in helping the resistance escape was was a noble and honorable way for him to depart. But the fact that man, they had that they they Ryan Johnson felt the need to give him another arc, which he already sort of had in the first trilogy. This and this one really took him down. Like it really made him in order to 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 give him that arc. You know, they really started out with him being a pretty deplorable character. And I just wasn't, I don't know, this is gonna sound stupid. I wasn't emotionally ready to accept Luke Skywalker that way. I thought he deserved more than to be stuck on the same planet the whole movie. I think he needed his own adventure. I think he needed to be with more than just I mean, in this entire trilogy, the only the only other human he sees is Ray, right? Like he doesn't, uh, I mean, I guess, unless you count the, the flashbacks with Kylo, but yeah, it, it yeah, it, 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 it's not lost on me. The fact that Luke in this, in these couple movies has become Yoda. He's become the hermit with intention. Stuck on, clearly yeah, that's first, what they yeah, wanted clearly, to do, right. but I yeah. didn't want him to be Yoda. I wanted him to be right. the hero. Yoda wasn't a hero. Like if, if, this is a little controversial, I suppose, but like Yoda was in the end, he was kind of a chump. Like he, he ran away. Like he didn't, uh, he, he, I don't know, maybe that's not fair, but you know, he basically secluded himself and it's exactly what Luke is doing, but I had better expectations for Luke. I, I thought, I no, thought no, he no, was going to do something yeah, different there. No, no, you're, you're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. Luke, or I'm sorry, Yoda was secluded regardless of how he got there but but in my mind luke has taken a step back in terms of kind of where he was right at the end of jedi he was he had ascended Mm -hmm. to he had ascended to jedi knight and and after these two movies he's taken a step back he is yes he yes he's a jedi master but He's a pussy at this point. He, he right? He right. he is take which which sucks, right? So no, I I, th- I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say again in my mind, Luke has taken a step back yeah. after these after these two movies. Yoda um, was Yoda, but Luke had Yoda's example to learn from, right? Like he knows Yoda's story, and he still went down the same path. And I just don't, I don't think it had to be that kind of foregone conclusion for Luke's character. Right. Okay. So, so then we get two other questions then. After episode eight, are you anticipating episode nine or are you dreading it? On opening night, after you've seen the, the final scene closes and you've got the little the little kids fucking <laughs> sweeping like are are you are you excited are you dreading it are you like oh shit there's one more like like where where's your head well i'm not excited I, i'm not excited for that movie 
I, I wasn't, again, like we both talked about, I think we both tried to put a positive spin coming out of this movie. So I wasn't as downhearted about it four years ago as I am today. But I will say that when we walked out of this movie, we did not know, if I remember correctly, I don't think we knew at that time that JJ would be coming back to re- we did not direct the final movie. So at that point, I was probably a little bit nervous because I was led to believe this was going in a great direction with The Force Awakens. We took a giant turn in a different direction with The Last Jedi. I think part of me was a little bit disheartened because at that point, Carrie Fisher had died. So we knew Leia wasn't going to be in the movie or we knew if she was that it wasn't going to to be a, a natural performance like we would expect from you know from anybody who was alive a person uh, right a human and we didn't have luke skywalker and we didn't have han solo so we were going into the third movie with none of our original characters and that to me was after after sort of the mistreatment of the new characters in the last jedi like i had nothing that i was sure to look forward to then of course we hear Lando's coming back. I'm like, well, well, that's great, but you know, he's a B-list character at best in these movies. And as much as I like him, and I and I did like his contribution to those movies, I just didn't know what they were going to do with this. And yeah, so I, I was I, I was nervous if I'm if I'm being honest and remembering okay. correctly. No, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. One thing about Lando, and, and I meant to talk about this an hour ago i thought lando was gonna be the guy with the with the flower in the casino yeah same way like way back in the like an hour and a half ago and the fact that he wasn't and again i still don't know why he wasn't because he could have been especially in retrospect he totally could have been because he didn't have to have anything to do with the fucking story but anyways (laughs) i'm actually okay that they didn't only because clearly they didn't whoever that character was supposed to be the code breaker like they didn't use him right they never did and i wouldn't want lando back for a three-second cameo with no dialogue i would rather have him be a small part of the movie which i think they did a great job of of executing you're on right. in the rise of you're skywalker right. you're right so i don't want lando yeah. back unless you're going to make him a part of the movie and they justin thoreau who i think is the actor who played the code breaker who i guess is a is a reputable actor but they gave him like one line of dialogue. Like I didn't want that for Lando. So in, in, in hindsight, I'm glad he wasn't in there, but I'm surprised that there was a conversation that we're going to go to a casino planet and Lando has nothing to do with any of this. That was what was weird to me. Right. Okay. So last question. We're like, I don't know. We're two hours in two and a half hours in to this podcast. That is, at this point, do you remember what you were expecting from episode nine? Did you have any idea what you were thinking episode nine would? And I guess subsequently, were you were you anywhere near close? I think I, I no, I don't think I had any idea what they were going to do just because the second movie, the second one being The Last Jedi, was such a pivot and was such a swerve for me. Like, I don't. I'm not sure I knew where it was going. What I what I knew is that they were going to have to pull out the big guns. They were going to have to really dig deep and find something to kind of bring this back together 
in a way that made sense and, and provided the appropriate level of fan service to get people on board. Because if there's one thing that I feel like this movie did not do, it was fan service, you know? And, and we're going to talk about episode nine. And I think episode nine definitely compensates in that department uh, for, for what episode eight did not do. But no, I'm not sure I knew exactly where they were going to go with it. I certainly could not have predicted that uh, the emperor was going to make his return and that a couple other characters were going to make their return. I had no idea what they were going to do with Carrie Fisher, which uh, which was a big question mark because they, you know, they said right away that they didn't. I mean, we know that they didn't kill her character in the movie, so we didn't have any idea what they were going to do. We were hoping that they weren't going to just unfairly dispatch her character sort of off camera between the movie's timelines. So, I mean, it was there was a lot of stuff in the air about this that I, I really had no idea, but I'd be really interested to hear if, you know, if you had any different thoughts on that. No, I, I really didn't. Opening night, watching this, again, I, I remember trying to defend it because I'm a huge Star Wars geek and I was like, this is great. And eh, whatever, it's, it, it's not, clearly. It's not a great movie. I, I, no, I didn't know where we were going. I, I do have to say months and months and probably years subsequent to this, I, I, I do have to say I, I thought that Ray was going to be a Palpatine, <laughs> but it was a long, long time after this, right? It, it, it was not, coming out of this. No, I had no idea. At this point, I, I thought Star Wars was kind of a wreck. I, I, I thought we were... I had I had no expectations at all of where episode nine would go. Yeah. I was I was worried. I was scared. I was I wouldn't even say I was optimistic. I was cautious at best coming out of episode eight. Yeah. Because I was because I was so, so disappointed of what we of what Ryan Johnson gave us. And it, it was a it was a bad treatment of Luke. It was a bad treatment of, in my opinion, Leia. It was a bad treatment of R two C three PO Ray. Like I, I can't think of anybody that got a good with with maybe the exception of Kylo Ren. Yeah, I can't think of anybody that got a good treatment in this movie. No, nobody progressed as a as a character that's a just a real bummer as a star wars fan yeah no i hear you it was it was not the movie that i ultimately wanted but we're gonna see if this next one pays off when we uh when we talk about the rise of skywalker which is episode nine and the final entry in the skywalker saga well we we've been talking a long time i again i have to give you major props for all of the research that you did. Thank you very much. Thank you for leading us through this discussion. This has been awesome. I, again, I think it's fair to say we didn't like this movie nearly as much as we liked The Force Awakens, but this has been an awesome discussion regardless about a movie that we don't necessarily care for at all. <laughs> yeah, that's probably pretty fair, but hey, you know, one out of uh, one out of nine isn't terrible. So, or is there well, more? I don't know. Maybe we'll get there if we get so bold as to review the prequels. That percentage may wane just a tiny bit. All right. So, 
our next episode is most likely going to be about the rise of Skywalker. It's probably going to be a couple weeks because I'll be honest with you, I need to go back and I need to rewatch it again. I'm sure Pip does as well. This has been the 411 from 406. My name is Chewie. I've been joined by Pip. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. I love you back. This was great. Talk to you soon. See you guys. Have a good evening.